Next week is episode 69. Yeah. Can't wait for that one. We might have a little Billy Madison uh, cameo, if you will. So. 69. <laughs> All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, Let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. Tuned into the spoken spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Twidwell Studios, back at that, back at that place again. It's been man, it seems like forever ago. I'm with here with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo yo yo. Uh, our, I, I don't know if you guys watched the live uh, on our Facebook stream or not. In case you didn't, for our podcast listeners, um, the reason why we had to switch it up a little bit this week and go back to the original format when it's just a podcast is because of the fact that our new studio is actually being renovated. So once that actually gets done. We're going to be right back into that. The live stream will be back. So I hope you guys are patient with us, and I hope you guys are okay with uh, not having to see uh, Eddie's beautiful face for just one solid week. But I promise you guys we'll be back as soon as we possibly can. Back sorry, to the Billy. live stream. Yeah, sorry, Billy Hodge. Uh, back to back to the, li- the live stream and the YouTube version of, of everything that we normally do here. But in the meantime, we're just going to go right back to uh, what started all this, which was the podcast side of things, which we love and enjoy. And it's not back. It's not bad to ever go back on memory lane. I think you guys would agree with that for yeah. sure. But um, again, always I like to start the show off the same way as I always do. I want to thank all the listeners, all the viewers, everybody that's been a part of this uh, ride to this point. We thank you guys. We appreciate you guys. Uh, for being a part of this because quite honestly we would probably lose interest doing this if we didn't have you guys around and we didn't get the reactions that we do and didn't have the the followers and listeners that we do so we we really do thank you guys for making this the fun that it is um otherwise we'd just be three dipshits in an echo chamber talking to ourselves thinking that we're important or some shit so thank you guys so much for being a part of uh, what we do here at the spoken podcast but uh i'd like to i'd like to get right into things because there's uh something that i would really like to like to um expand on for a little bit before we do that again thank you guys all so much and happy juneteenth i hope you guys really understand how important this day is and i'm very much looking forward to celebrating this as a national holiday from here on out it is a very important day and a more important day than it should have than it has been looked upon and acknowledged for years since since i can remember it's been a very overlooked day and it's something that's very important to me and i know very important to a lot of the african-american community and uh, I hope that all of you guys celebrate this one with us. And we're really glad to be talking sports on a day like this. It, re- it really is um, something to reflect upon. And I, and I know it means a lot to a lot of our listeners as well. Two of the more common practiced in consuming entertainment is, of course, music and television. Humans consume entertainment in more ways than one every single day. In each category of entertainment, in these two forms in particular, we have had our superstars, our most influential and polarizing figures, if you will. For the longest time, one of the worst kept secrets is the fact that in most cases, these superstars and those that have worked within the confines of music and television have used and have continued to use drugs. 
Some have claimed that they have used drugs to draw inspiration or to open their minds, to gain creativity at a level that they could never dream of obtaining in a sober mind. Others just like the escape that the drugs that they use provided. Paul McCartney has been quoted when talking about using LSD and saying, quote, it opened my eyes. We only use one-tenth of our brain. Just think of what we could accomplish if we could only tap that hidden part. It would mean a whole new world if the politicians would take LSD. There wouldn't be any more war or poverty or famine. Paul McCartney is widely known as one of the most successful and beloved musical artists in human history. A-list actors such as Robert Downey Jr., Drew Barrymore, and Johnny Depp have admittedly used and abused drugs throughout their lives and careers. And despite the fact that along with many rehab stints and the occasional jail time, uh, these actors have not only consistently found work, but have maintained a large and growing fan base throughout their lives and careers. And although music and movies and TV are massive entertainment businesses, there is another that I have yet to mention, and that's sports entertainment. Sports entertainment is why we're here tonight. It's what we consume on a daily basis as sports fans. According to a 20, 2017 CNBC article, Americans shelled out $56 billion in, attempt, in attending sports events alone in 2016. I personally consume every bit of 40 to 60 hours of sports-related content on a weekly basis. So needless to say, we all love and value our entertainment. Most of us consume all three forms of entertainment on a very, near, on a very normal basis. Yet we hold our sports entertainment at a higher standard than the rest for some reason. I finally got the chance to check out the new 30 for 30 titled Long Gone Summer that, of course, touched specifically on the 1998 MLB season in which we all remembered as the summer of Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. It was a I was a 10-year-old kid at the time. I, I absolutely obsessed with baseball, and I remember watching these two guys blasting homers on a nightly basis, as it seemed watching the sports center highlights of Stuart Scott and, and Steve Levy chanting bartender Jack and uh, fill thine horn with oil is one of my favorites. Every, every time these two monsters would obliterate a ball into the stands, it seemed like there was always a new saying that came out of sports center. It was simply the best time to be a baseball fan. And as the years went on, we discovered that names were attached to a doping scandal and that the names of two particular legends, Sosa McGuire were on it and things got ugly fast. We saw McGuire stand in front of Congress repeating himself by saying, I'm not here to talk about the past. We saw Sammy Sosa literally forget how to speak English in front of Congress. Like I said, ugly. And as you'd imagine, they alongside other rumored steroid users such as Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Rafael Palmero, and Jason Giambi were all demonized, slandered, and cast out by fans and media alike. Even the MLB in their own way turned their backs on the ones that made them and their game what it had become. Some of our, our younger viewers may not understand this because of where the MLB is today, but I promise you, baseball was huge in the late 90s and early 2000s, and it was due to these names I listed above. The term cheater became the famous and permanent tag we place upon these athletes. They cheated the game. They robbed the game of baseball. They ruined the record books. These are all the accusations that these men had to endure and continue to endure. And I will admit, when I first learned of these players allegedly and factually using PEDs, as a young kid, I was shocked. 
Again, I was a young kid that didn't even know what steroids were, but I learned quickly that PEDs have a sole purpose, and that's to maintain and elevate your athletic and physical peak. And much to the chagrin of Sosa, McGuire, and the rest of the quote-unquote cheaters, one entity remained essentially unscathed during this time of exposure, and that was the MLB. The same MLB that profited billions off of the backs and bats of these same cheaters. The same MLB that wasn't even four years removed from a long-standing player strike that nearly crushed the league as a whole. The same MLB that turned a blind eye to PED, PED use and claimed ignorance when the inevitable came to light. Yeah, these cheaters saved a game and gave us fans an experience we have never seen before and may never see again. These cheaters entertained the masses and made a slow game exciting and, more importantly, relevant. So my question is, who did these cheaters cheat exactly? Who made it out worse than they became became who made it out worse than they became because of their actions? Their fellow players? You mean the same fellow players that comprised a list of over 140 names attached to a Balco scandal? The same fellow players that financially benefited off their efforts significantly by getting contracts they would have never had a shot in hell at obtaining in an era previous due to the rise in TV contracts and league-wide revenue? Did they cheat the fans? The same fans that filled the stadiums, bought the merchandise, and got to experience baseball at an unprecedented level of excellence? The same fans that deep down know that they loved every second of it. I know because I was one of those fans. Did they cheat, to cheat the generations of baseball before them? The same generations that voted in murderers and women beaters into the Hall of Fame yet keep out people like Pete Rose who bet on games? Did they cheat the record books? Well, unless you can find me a player that juiced that otherwise was a scrub beforehand, I'd say the, sta the stats are valid. And that's just it. So many have inaccurately and unfortunately have used this narrative that the PEDs are what made them great. Not knowing that, for instance, Mark McGuire hit 48 home runs in his rookie season, a record that stood for three decades before any known PED use. Sammy Sosa, at 38 years old, hit over 20 homers and 80 RBIs after alleged PED use. Barry Bonds was already a three-time MVP and one of a handful of players to hit 300-plus home runs and steal 300-plus bags with a fistful of gold gloves before known PED use. These men were already great. The PEDs simply maintained and prolonged the greatness. They robbed no one. They cheated no one. They saved baseball. They revived a dying game. They gave the fans something to love and admire once again. They should be praised. They should be kept in high regard. They should be in the Hall of Fame. At the end of the day, athletes and entertainers, athletes are entertainers in an entertainment business. No different than a famous musician or famous actor. But we hold these athletes to a higher unfair standard that we have never held any other entertainer to. Good thing McCartney picked up a guitar instead of a bat. Otherwise, his drug use would have been named would have named him a cheater in the eyes of his peers and fans. Good thing Robert Downey Jr. slipped into the Iron Man suit instead of a ball cap and cleats. Otherwise, he would have been anything but a fan favorite. This is hypocrisy at its finest. 
Entertainment, regardless of what form it comes in, is a business. And if a musician, actor, or athlete is willing to take on the risk of drug use to maintain their excellent excellence, and if the record companies, box offices, and franchises are willing to accept the money that makes them what they are with the maintained talents, who are we to combat it? And if we're truly honest with ourselves, why wouldn't we sign off on it as well? I will stand by this when I say baseball was at its best when PEDs played their part. And I consider myself a lucky man to have witnessed the cheaters who save baseball from itself, if only for a while. And I'm going to leave it there. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're slipping right into the NBA. We're getting closer and closer to an alleged season. Uh, there's a lot of news coming out of the league as, as far as how they're going to control this quote-unquote bubble in Orlando. And we got one particular inactive player that's trying to burst that bubble in more ways than one. We'll get back to that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Segment number two, I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Twidwell Studios with my guys Trevor Twidwell good? and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Really excited to be back here, guys. We were talking during the break. I mean, I, I love I love what we're doing now with, with KCP, and don't get me wrong. We're very grateful for everything that's going on. We love the live stream. We love the interactions. We love the videos. It's it's so great. But there is something about doing the old school podcast thing that I just I just love, and, I, and we reminisce on a lot of times because, I mean, this is how we started. We just – Started recording in our living room, and we just started making a show and and, and seeing where it went. And it's been an absolute blast. We're still dumbasses, mm. but uh, we're we're ha- we're dumbasses having fun, guys. We're talking about sports here, man, and that's that's the important part. So thanks to all the dumbasses that <laughs> that join us every Friday night and every uh, every week, man, because this is this is what we love doing, man. This is an absolute blast. And speaking of getting back to what you love doing, um, the NBA is getting back. We think getting back to what they love doing, which is playing basketball. And it's been reported over the last couple of weeks that July 31st is the the date in which the NBA is supposed to be playing in Orlando in the the bubble, if you will, the quote unquote bubble that they're trying to uh, create for these players to keep them healthy and safe as possible. And it, it was a it was a pre assumed situation to where every NBA player was going to be on board with this. And and to that point, that first week when they really started to piece all this together, all the players, uh, especially the superstar players. Uh, we're 100% on board with this this idea, and they were really excited to get things back into, into form and formation. And then there became news um, that developed later on, whether intentional or not, where the NBA informed these players that inactive players are not going to be allowed in the bubble because they're trying to keep the number of people down as much as possible, which is totally understandable from the NBA's standpoint. 
And this is where I'm going to start breaking down my issue because there's a certain individual NBA player, extremely talented, superstar talent, hit, maybe maybe hit the biggest or second biggest shot in finals history. We know him to be Kyrie Irving. We know he's a he's a great great NBA player. But over the last couple seasons, over the last few seasons actually, he's really made a name for himself in a negative light. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to as a as a superstar talent to make your name be known more for the stupid things you say and do rather than what you do on the court. But this is what happens when you're injured and all you have is time. From demanding a trade out of Cleveland while still playing with LeBron James after four straight trips to the finals to sitting out in Game 7, not even showing up to Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron and those same Cavs the next season, and LeBron passing his team as he goes to his eighth straight finals. All the way to telling the Celtics fans that you know he'll come back if they'll have him, only to demand a trade six months later, to now being with the Nets and KD and both of them being outs, and the Nets, although still have a slim chance in this playoff format, don't have much of a chance until 2021 if they ever do. And again, Kyrie Irving was one of these superstar players that signed on with the idea that Orlando was going to be this bubble they finished the season in. But then Kyrie Irving then discovers that, oh, myself and Kevin Durant, other inactive players who are on playoff teams, aren't going to be in this bubble. Now I feel excluded. Now what I'm going to do is take opposition to this form it in a way that makes it look like I'm having other players have their voices heard and use this quote-unquote unification and unity when it comes to black athletes, which obviously is a hot ticket and hot commodity right now, especially in our country and in our society. So no one's going to really combat him on this, but I actually am. And I'm going to tell you why. Because Kyrie Irving has tendencies. Kyrie Irving is somebody that is known to go back and double back on his own words and his own actions. Therefore, he does not get my sympathy, nor does he get my benefit of the doubt. What he's saying is not wrong as far as the unify, unification and you know black athletes not being forced to do anything they're not comfortable doing. 100% support that. What Dwight Howard and, and Avery Bradley and these other guys have come out and said to follow what Kyrie has said, I got no problem with. The problem I have with is who's saying it and what his real intentions are behind it. Because I think we all understand full and good well mm. what Kyrie's full intentions are in this, and that's to divide and conquer and make his name known as the guy that disrupted what we all know to be the anticipated fourth NBA championship for the one LeBron James. Trevor, what are your thoughts on this whole entire situation? Yeah, I don't know if I buy into the fact that he's doing it intentionally to cause a ruckus for LeBron James. It definitely it ha- it, I'm not going to say that's just false, but it ha- there's ties to that, but – the fact this is Kyrie is no surprise. And the fact that he's not only Kyrie and he's not going to be involved because he's, he's ineligible to play. That's just a double whammy there for me. I get it. I, I fully, I support even some of the things he says, some of the rhetoric he was spreading and, 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 you know, pumping the nads of these other guys like Dwight Howard to go on CNN and, and ramble and say absolutely nothing for 10 minutes. Um, like I said, I, I get it, man. But even during, if you really want to go there, even I know it's a hard time right now, and it's easy for me to say that. That's an understatement for me to say that. But even during the civil rights movement, the Martin Luther King days, Malcolm X time, sports were still going on even then. And they were, I think they were important, honestly, at that time because 
everyone right now is still not, we're not necessarily quarantined as much as we were, but everyone's still sort of kind of isolated for the most part. Society still pretty much in this country, still isolated for the most part. People are sitting at home man, it's racking their brains. And, you know, we see social media, just people at each other's throats. And we need, I think we need a little bit of an escape. And I think the NBA is the perfect sport because it's a predominantly black sport and it's got, you know, athletes that stand up for, for, for rights, you know, LeBron James, as if the, the, the NBA continues, LeBron James is just going to be silent as if they're not going to use that stage. So, so should Kaepernick not get signed then? Why is Kaepernick, why do, why, why, how, I guarantee you Kyrie wants Kaepernick to get signed, but wouldn't that take away from Kaepernick's movement? Yeah, and this is and this is the problem I have with it, Eddie. I'd like to get your thoughts too, but this is the problem I have with this and this notion is, for me, it really does come down to who the messenger is, because there are there are different intentions. If, if we were to see, like, cause this is the way I see it: if Kyrie Irving was healthy right now, yeah. there is no way in and hell if they he's were a contender. Yeah, him he, and KD were healthy. If Kevin Durant and yeah. Kyrie Irving were both playing, Damn both straight. active for this bubble, right? They, he is not saying any of this shit. I, I do if believe, he knows he can go get a ring over LeBron, his ass right. is out there and, playing. And, and, and at least get a contend for it. Right. And, and, and the thing about it is, is that I, I don't – like you just said, Trevor, I do believe that Kyrie, to his core, probably does believe There's those things. to it. But yeah. he's using it in a convenient yeah. way because it fits where he's at currently. He doesn't get to attend. But like I said, what better, what, better, yeah, what better sport to come back in the midst of all this shit than the most predominantly black – african-american sport in the country Pro- probably the world is the nba right so an nba almost like i said flooded with guys like chris paul d wade carmelo lebron these guys that have voices that have always stood up against injustice it's it makes sense more sense to resume and gives a lot of these young black people in this country an outlet yes not only just to sit at home and fume and, and you know maybe develop a hatred towards someone that they shouldn't you know what i'm saying so that i feel there's a lot more meaning and, 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 and purpose to NBA returning rather than being against it returning. I, I mean, and <laughs> I don't think it's anything against LeBron. In, like, I don't, I don't think he's bashing LeBron. I don't think that, that's even on his mind. Obviously, people were, are going to connect the two because of the history they have. But I don't think there's a shot for LeBron. I think it's more, more of a, a personal matter, more of a I'm being excluded out of something I, I, like, I love. So him feeling excluded is him trying to do everything he can to to like not make it happen. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a like a little kid who's mad at, at, at his brother or something that he feel that he's not being able to play with his friends. What it you sounds know? like it sounds like it's a kid that's not able to go on a field trip with the, with the class. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? exactly. Yes. That's what it's because that's, that's what's what it, funny to me is all of a sudden. Now that he knows, because they, they were all learning as we all learned, yes. as, as to what the standards are going to be in this bubble. Yeah. All of a sudden, when when they find out, when we find out, when Adrian Wojnarowski and, and Shams and all these guys come out with this news, yeah. that, hey, they're limiting access to everybody. It was already agreed upon. All, Everything yeah, was agreed upon. All of a already. sudden, Kyrie has the stance. Where was this stance yeah. in the first Zoom call yeah, conference? Exactly. Where was that at? You didn't hear that from him. He was trying to pump his sponsors and all these other things. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you're, you're turning this into this something that, well, us black athletes don't need to be doing this no one's debating that first of all no one's debating that second of all you're creating a narrative that doesn't need to be because as trevor just alluded to this is something that is going to give black athletes and black americans something not to distract because that is not what we shit need. my white ass we, needs this we, shit we, we, we don't need distractions right now <laughs> what we need is something that yeah. mor- gives us a moral a morale boost yeah something that we can look to as, as a unification because yes i do agree with Kyrie. they've done the shirts they've done the kneeling what now i agree with that part there needs to be more action that is for certain but with action you also have to have 
players to be able to do what they do is best. It's no different than any other job. I don't want to oversimplify this because I know that athletes are famous and with fame comes other standards and responsibilities. I get all that. It's not like, you know, Kevin down the street that's a plumber, right? Mm -hmm. But are we going to tell Kevin that he shouldn't work because of things like this? No, right. we're not going to. That's ridiculous. It's the fact they're on the big stage. Like Austin Rivers said, Doc Rivers' own son who's mm -hmm. in the league, a black athlete, had said, right. this is going to give, like Trevor said, money in our pockets. Not even a star player. Yes, revenues are going to be built. You're going to be able to help your community communities because right. you're getting paid. We're Why doing take these money things. on the black man's hand? Exactly, that makes no sense. it's counterproductive yeah. in all sorts. If you think about it, to go with Kyrie's logic, well, it and doesn't the, and make and sense. And the irony for for me too is the, the quote I had the most problem with on Kyrie numerous quotes, but the one I had the most problem, and I think I pushed back on the most, was when he talked about I, I will sacrifice everything uh, in order to you know. Have a, he said something. I, I was I would sacrifice anything to fix the injustice or whatever. He basically made a claim that he would sacrifice everything. That's easy for him to say that now when he doesn't have anything to sacrifice right now. Right. Yeah. He's not having anything to sacrifice. If he, him and KD were contenders, top in the East, you're telling me you're going to say nah. Well, and you and stop you, it. Man. And you both you both you know basically shot down my my theory about the whole LeBron angle. Right? I don't. Yeah. I mean, but here, I here's here's that. here's why I, I don't think it's There's the driving force. There. I don't believe it's the driving force of what he's doing. My point, though, is I think that's a little additive to what because he is LeBron's doing. So vocal. Because he knows yeah. he he thought leaving Cleveland was going to ruin LeBron's opportunity of ever winning another title. That's what, that's what his thought was. That's yeah. why he decided to get out because he was under the shadow of LeBron James. He wanted to do his own thing, which is that, that is his that's prerogative. Totally it just didn't work out. It hasn't worked out to this point. Mm -hmm. And now, ironically, he's going to be under the shadow of Kevin Durant, a better player. Yeah. So the, the reason I play that angle is because I feel like of all people – who would have more of an angle against LeBron James than Kyrie Irving? Think about it. And if it ain't him, who else would Maybe it be? Maybe KD. Probably Kevin KD, Durant, yeah, yeah. who happens to be yeah. Kyrie's teammate and one of his best Who's friends. Who's been dead-ass silent this that whole time. That is exactly. Right. You don't think there's a conduit oh, of conversation? You don't, you don't think that's a conduit of conversation between Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Now, I'm not sitting here pretending as if I got sources that know these things. My point is, I'm reading what's on the wall. The writing is on the wall. Kyrie Irving didn't want to play with LeBron James anymore because he didn't want to be under the shadow. And now that Kyrie Irving isn't playing, but he is technically on the same team as Kevin Durant, who is the biggest quote-unquote rival for LeBron James at this current juncture, yeah. he takes this stance. Well, not only and who, who happens to yeah. have the best chance to win the, the championship this well, year? That and and the who, Lakers. who also has the biggest voice in the entire exactly. NBA. Who's been pushing for it? Who's been, who's been in all, you know, pushing for the injustice exactly. being resolved and all that? So, yeah, I get it. I mean, the angle's there, yes, for sure. Yeah, the angle I'm not saying it's a driving force. No, I was gonna say the angle. I mean, you can. It's probably a motive. Motive. I, I, I think it's more like like the history that they have that's yeah. making people think that way. Which for me, I just don't see it. I, I, I don't see that'd be that'd be way too childish. Yeah, well, he's already childish for doing what he's doing now. But that would just he also thought the Earth was flat. Uh, so <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like the 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 the, 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 the tendencies there do not. Give me the, the the sense that I need to give him any benefit of the doubt in any regard. I'm not saying that we're just going to sit here and start creating these hyper you know hyper hyperbolic you know situations and scenarios that I can attach to, to Kyrie Irving just because he's a kind of a loony guy or a different cat. I'm not trying to do that. My point though is is that with everything that we now know about Kyrie Irving, there is. There are tea leaves to it all. We've seen him do these things before where he'll come out and make a statement, come out and make an approach, and then immediately recant it, immediately pull back or do the opposite of what he said initially. Therefore, I don't believe that anything he's done to this point is genuine. 
I do believe that he is tugging on the heartstrings of a lot of black Americans and black athletes by saying some of these key phrases and key words to make them attach themselves to him because, and his his mentality. Because, because of what's going on right exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah. He that knows was, the atmosphere. He, gets, he, knows, he read the room. He read the room. That would be kind of fucked up for him to do that, though. That's, it's a bad look. Um, Isn't he the kind of guy that would do some shit it like all this? Comes back, it all comes back to the fact <laughs> that he's ineligible. But, but, but yeah, but if, if that's true, like he's doing it, I don't know. It's just that that's probably going to end his career because I don't think anybody's going to want to fuck with that. Because uh, it, it, it's it's so sen- the topic is so sensitive that like him taking advantage of that topic, it, it's. Well, you guys know as well as I do, the NBA is the league of legacies, right? Like we all know individual legacies are so paramount in the NBA when it comes to great players. Mm. I agree actually with what you're saying, Eddie. I think that this may, it may not ruin his career or end his career his as far as physically, his but his reputation, reputation yeah. forever will be known as the shit starting, yeah. you know, double, you know, Flat uh, yeah, uh, speaking out of both sides <laughs> of his mouth kind of guy, you yeah. know, hypocrite. Like that's not the stuff you want to be attached to in the NBA. Luckily for Kyrie, he's still in his mid-20s. So he's got time if his body can hold up to where he can change that narrative. But the problem is he's not doing himself any good any any, any good by doing things like this. It's unfortunate too, because I do think Kyrie's a smart individual. I do think he's a smart, well-spoken guy. I just think he's he's really misguided. That's the problem with Kyrie. I think he's the type of guy that knows he's smart. Yeah. You know, we we yeah. know those he intellectuals can, can, yeah. that know they're smart and so they flex on that. It's like, it's, it's like the beautiful woman that knows she's beautiful. Yeah. Like yeah. it's dangerous. Oh, you, you know think I'm cute? Yeah. I know. Oh, thanks. No shit. You know what I mean? Like he knows he's smart. He's a, he is an intellectual human being. There's yeah. no. I'm not going to sit here and say that Kyrie doesn't have an insanely no, no, no. good brain. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem, though, is that he sometimes can be too smart for his own good to where he puts himself in scenarios and situations like yeah, this he where he's only causing. He's got a lot of charisma. He's got a lot of charisma. People follow charisma, so right. when he, he can influence younger athletes with his charisma, right. and they can follow suit. And he puts he put. See, this is this is the shittiest part of all this, is that Kyrie is putting his peers in an unfair situation because in an unfair position because what are they going to say yeah no no Kyrie I don't want to unify who's going to say that even white players like Kyle Korver are saying look if my black teammates want to want to sit out and not play I'm going to have to stand with them because he's in an unfair position Kyle Korver has to say that now because his own teammates might feel a certain way this is what Kyrie is causing more of a problem than helping anything because yeah. they're still going to play. Was yeah. it stirring the pot like uh, a good uh, was a supervisor told you once? Oh yeah, just yeah, good. Don't stir the pot. That's that's been see. Stir that. It takes shit. one to know one, motherfuckers. I'm a pot stirrer myself, so I picked up on Kyrie immediately on this Same. shit because I know how to stir the pot. I can stir the pot on this fucking show right now. It's a skill set. I'm telling you, maybe not a great skill set. It's skills of a misfit youth, but it's there. And I'm telling you, Kyrie has it, bro. I'm telling you, it is there, and he is making it. I get it. I again, I, I think that what he is saying is true, but it's it's the angle. It's the, it's the person saying it's the messenger. It's the intent behind that I have a significant problem with. Is the word I read the words five, six times to make sure I didn't miss anything. So I'm not going to misjudge this man because that's the last thing I'm going to do. I don't want to be unfair about this. I want to be as fair and as, as, as balanced about this as possible. And every time I read it, I came out with the same conclusion. This guy is full of shit, and he's using this—he's using this rhetoric to try to get people on his side to sympathize in a way with his situation. Now, all of a sudden, that he's not included, like Trevor said, he didn't get the you know attend the 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 field the, the, the field trip, so now he feels like he needs to act out. And I'm a baby. I'm go. gonna cry. I'm gonna yeah. scream out. That is that is typical Kyrie. If this was the first time he did something like this, I'd be like, hey guys, you know maybe there is something to this. I would give him the benefit if it, if it was Giannis. 
or even James Harden or Russell Westbrook that or, came out and or said his teammate, something. Kevin Durant. Yeah, if, even yeah, it <laughs> was, was a snake himself. Yeah, yeah. If, if those guys came out and said, I would get more merit behind this. Obviously, if LeBron James or guys like that did it, I would know that there is intentions behind it that are good because they lead the pack. Yeah. Kyrie doesn't lead the pack. He has a voice. Well, I mean, when he's Kyrie, well known. When has Kyrie ever really been the guy to stand for injustice throughout his career? I mean, he's followed suit with some, you know, the, with the, some of the trails that that's been blazed by bigger names, you know, Chris Pauls and LeBron James and D Wade and guys like that. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like LeBron James knows what he's capable of because LeBron's been here before. LeBron knows he can play basketball and still make a statement. Yeah, NBA you know? NBA insider uh, Chris Haynes was on Dan Patrick's show uh, this week, and Dan was you know Dan's probably the best interviewer in all of sports media. And, and, and uh, he asked Chris Haynes a question about, you know, his experiences with Kyrie Irving, because if if we remember correctly, Chris Haynes started as a beat reporter for the Cleveland dealer. Right. And plain dealer, I think it's called. Anyway, he talked about how, you know, Kyrie was always very fair to Chris, but the problem that he experienced with Kyrie was you didn't know what you were getting from moment to moment. Before the game, you can get yourself an interview with Kyrie, and it's smooth sailing. He's he's lighthearted. He's well thought out. He, he's very articulate. He'll he'll break down things. He'll he's give well spoken. You, he'll guy. give you he'll give you eye contact. Yeah. But then after a game, win or lose, he's a completely different person. Yeah. And that's that's that is where my problem lies with this whole situation is that I don't believe we're getting an honest, consistent approach from Kyrie and what he's trying to he's uh, fragile, articulate. He's fragile. I, yes, I think he's a person that overthinks things. I think he's the type of person that wants to start th- start create problems more than actually try to fix problems, yeah. but then come in the name of fixing a problem or come in the name of unifying when he's really trying to divide. Because if you look at what he's ha- what has done now, he's actually caused more division. And I don't want to look I don't want to cause like look at this as a, as a narrow-minded person. I think if anybody listens to the show, they know that we try to keep as open mind as possible around here. That's why I have a problem is even with an open mind, I still can't see how this is helping any single person in the NBA or any person who watches the NBA. Because here we are, three NBA fans, and we don't understand it. No. We don't comprehend it. And we're all, we've all read the quotes. We've all seen what he's talked about. We've all seen the people coming after him talk about it. Trevor said, Dwight Howard goes on CNN and literally just mumbles for it 10 was, minutes. It was really bad. You don't even know where he stands. And now that opens, see, that opens up a whole nother can of worms because then we have uh, Brian Windhorse coming on ESPN today and talking about the dangers of what Dwight Howard did because yeah. if Dwight Howard sits out, his Laker contract is immediately dead because he signed a one-year deal, and that would force the Lakers to have to go and sign somebody else because they don't have an inactive roster spot available. So this is only causing problems. How does Kyrie actually help the situation by doing this? He doesn't. Well, and, he's he's kind of getting his way. If he can cause any kind of ruckus in the locker room, especially with Dwight Howard being in the locker thank room with LeBron James. Thank you. That My is, angle. No, no, no. I mean, thank it, you. It definitely makes sense. But the fact – yeah, I think even Stephen A. gave uh, – um, uh, Howard the the business on on the first take so I I don't know man it, it, he's created some zombies that's for sure Dwight Howard being one of the zombies that, that just utters you know nonsense but it, I, it just puts every player just in an awkward position um, yeah, doesn't yeah. matter what what ratio it just puts you in, a, in, a, in a, like it puts you in the spot you know because you had to like make a decision towards what Kyrie's saying it's like if I you uni- like if I unify like I'm doing a good thing, but if I don't unify, it's like yeah. I'm doing the bad thing. It's a so, false dichotomy. He's making it, it sound like there's two different. There's only yeah, two options you can have. Exactly. You can, there's more options than exactly. just exactly. You don't play and you protest, or you play and you and avoid you the problem. That's yeah. not what's happening. You can you can play take the problem protest. head on and play. Yeah. So he he's only 
he's making it hard for every single player, I think. For well, sure. We haven't even mentioned we're, – we're talking about this for almost 20 minutes now. Yeah. I haven't even mentioned the fact that Kyrie Irving has talked about starting his own fucking league. I saw that quote. I, I, I thought it was fake at first. I thought no. it was like an onion quote. <laughs> no, yeah, that was... it's an actual thing. It's not going to happen. This is what I'm talking about. Like, look at it in a vacuum. Look at look at everything in totality and tell me that you honestly believe that this is something of an honest perspective from Kyrie Irving, that he's genuinely just caring for people. Yeah. Oh, it's def- Absolutely there's definitely not. some self-centered. I, I call bullshit yeah. all day long, dude. It, there's no question in the world this is all just a ploy. It's going to fail because oh, yeah. July 31st, we're going to be on this couch across the room right now watching basketball. Well, like, like Patrick Beverly said, you know, if King James says we're playing basketball – we hooping. Enough said. That's what's happening. So it is what it is, bro. It is what it is. Good conversation, guys. I'm really glad we talked about it. But nice try, Kai. We yeah. really appreciate you uh, trying to divide and conquer. Appreciate you, buddy. I can't wait to hand that L out. That's going to be so awesome. Come July. <laughs> can't just wait, just wait Kyrie. Guy. You're getting another L, brother. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to go to the Eddie Hour. We're going to get some uh, thoughts or some questions from Eddie himself, Mr. Yo, Yo, Yo. Looking forward to these ones because he told me he's got some some whammies for us. So I'm really looking forward to me. Whammy. Oh, All right, buddy. I'm not gonna live up to the high but I'll try. <laughs> we'll get back to that after this. Located in the historic Westport district. Modern Man Supply Company is your Kansas City's new home for men's retail. From apparel to pomade and home goods to beard care, they offer a wide range of men's products from independent companies from around the world. Follow them at Modern Man Supply Company on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hey, yo. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Twidwell Studios with my guys Trevor Twidwell good. and Eddie Ortiz. Go, go, go. So we left it off at the NBA. I'm assuming my guy Eddie will have something regardless, regarding the NBA in tonight's uh, Eddie Hour. Nevertheless, let's hope so. Let's hope so. If not, mm-hmm. totally get it. Maybe I'll give him an L later on. Let's for hope so. Me. Yeah, nice. <laughs> well done, Trevor. But I'm going to hand it off. Uh, I'm going to quit talking. It is time for the Eddie Hour. Eddie, what do we got going on, man? My first question is, uh, would you trade Chris Jones for Jamal Adams? Oh, we're getting right to this. Okay. Yeah, well, little, 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 little backstory. Um, we actually had this debate, if you will, on uh, yesterday's group chat uh, with all of us where we're game planning the show a little bit. And uh, I think it was Trevor that actually brought yeah. it up initially. And, Eddie, you responded really quickly with your mm-hmm. thoughts. And um, I'm sure you have your thoughts you'd like to share tonight. But – I'm with Eddie on this one in in regards to Chris Jones and the whole Jamal Adams situation because if you look at it from the naked eye, Jamal Adams might be the better football player as far as just individual ability and and what he can can do as far as versatility is concerned. But when it comes to the Chiefs in particular, I don't see how Jamal Adams could replicate value of Chris Jones, let alone – surpass it mm-hmm. S- second of all as ken swanson said on jay binkley's show last night bink at night on 610 um friend of the show both friend of the Absolutely. show uh they they ken was talking about how it, it just it, it doesn't make a lot of sense for the chiefs in regards to contracts because jamal adams is going to expect a contract extension he's only on contract through 2021 he's going to be demanding upwards to 20 million dollars a year as a safety which is just absurd 
Maybe. And, well, that's that's the that's the market right now. He's not going to get that. But he's yeah. not going to get it, but that's his demand. So at, at worst, he's going to get fifteen to sixteen million, which I'm still not paying. Yeah. Jamal Adams uh, at, at safety. Here's the other thing, and this is from me. With the Chiefs as they currently are constructed, I feel as if if they were to let's say make this particular trade, let alone just bring Jamal Char- Jamal Jamal Char- Jamal Charles <laughs> Jamal wish. Adams. If they bring him in, I feel like the Chiefs would be elevating Jamal Adams more than Jamal Adams would be elevating the Chiefs because of the fact that I don't think Jamal Adams as an individual makes the Chiefs that much better. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that he comes to the Chiefs, they're elevating his legacy because they're going to reel off a couple more Super Bowls in the near future, and that makes him an automatic Hall of Famer. I think Jamal Adams is already going to be a Hall of Fame talent. He's already 24, 25 years old, and he's going to make his money. I think he has the Dallas Cowboys written all over him. I think he's definitely going to Dallas. I think that's the team that makes the most sense. But if you've heard anything from Jamal Adams to this point, even to today, where he added the Buccaneers to his list, it's clear as day that Jamal Adams just does not want to play in New York with the Jets. He's done trying to lift a team that is unliftable at this point in time. I actually have a prediction about the Jets later on I want to tell you guys about, so stay tuned for that. But in all actuality, there is not a chance in hell that I would ever make this trade because Chris Jones, whether he's here or not in 2021, he is better and more fitted to help the Chiefs win another Super Bowl in 2020 than Jamal Adams would. Trevor? For sure. No, I 100% agree with you. And the only reason I even brought up that that idea was if Chris Jones is unsalvageable. That's the only way only way I'd want him over Chris Jones. Chris Jones, in my mind, is obviously the better fit and affects the game far more in a far more drastic way as far as getting to the quarterback is much more important than having another adding another elite safety, which would be great to see him and Tyron Matthew in the same uh, safety class or safety room together. That'd be an incredible set up to be one of the greatest duos we'd probably ever see. Um, but all the reason I, like I said, the only reason I even brought up or had the idea come to my head is one, obviously he named the chiefs as one of the destinations he'd want to go. It's a no brainer for anybody to say that chiefs would be one of the destinations they want to go. Who Tom Brady who, wants to play here. Who doesn't, yeah, who doesn't want to play for Kansas city right now with the set, setup we have, um, especially defensively that you can lean on the offense like that. If you're even doing poorly defensively, um, I love his talent. I love Jamal Adams. I think he's great. He's so fun to watch. I feel personally he's the better version of Eric Berry. I know that for Chiefs fans, it's probably going to sting a little bit. I think he has he's sim- he's a similar player to Eric Berry, but I think he's even better. He's not the best coverage guy, but he's a little better in coverage than Eric Berry. Wrote. Eric Berry was. He's an incredible tackler. He's, he's incredible. Oh, as tackler. far as a box safety goes, he looks like a linebacker, and they're laying running backs out. He's incredible, and he's just mean. But he knows how to hit. He knows how to hit. Right. That's why I like him because he doesn't hit for like a lot of guys get lit up for penalties when they hit certain ways. He knows how to lay that shoulder in your chest. And if that's a rare breed of guys that can play, you know, inside and outside the box like that and roam even in the, in, in the flat. Uh, so I love that versatile type safety. But I know we do have Thornhill and, and, and Tyron, great group. And hopefully Thornhill comes back and bounces back 100%. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, like I said, it all come for me. I mean, it doesn't. We're not even guaranteed that it's a possibility or it can happen, or even we're even the Chiefs organization's even thinking about doing it. But like I said, if Chris Jones is unsalvageable, and there's just growing distance between the two parties, and we need we need to figure out we need to get something for Chris Jones. If we're if we're not going to just let him walk away and play out his contract, I'd rather us figure out something with Chris Jones first, if that's the possibility. But if that's if that's a third, if it's burning on both ends. I'd rather get ship him off and get something for him. I guarantee you the Jets aren't going to get anything better than Chris Jones and maybe a pick for uh, 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 
Jamal Adams in a pick or something, and you know, swap that yeah. because you're getting two elite players swapping. I know there's two different positions and they affect the game differently, but if I'm going to get anything for Chris Jones, I want to grab another elite player, especially at that safety position. I think it would be, uh, you know, a, a good um, contribution to this defense in that safety room. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much where I see it because if we're going to do anything with Chris Jones and it's unsalvageable, might as well make the best out of it, get the most out of it. And I think Jamal Adams and maybe a pick or two would be. A, a great trade-off. Well, another another thing I want to add to it as well is the whole Chris Jones thing is a whole other bag of worms. So, so even the the idea of the Chiefs trading for him, right. it's so I, silent. I expect, we have no idea what's going on. We've we've made this statement on the show several times about what we would expect out of a Chris Jones trade. To yeah. be honest with you, as awesome as Jamal Adams is, I would be more upset with the Chiefs making that trade. For sure. Even even if we don't, even if the future is uncertain with Chris Jones, just because again. The, not only the value of what Chris Jones brings and the difference, but also the position. Because yeah. as we talked in our group text yesterday with a couple friends, actually, it wasn't even just us. But we talked yeah. with other friends on a group text um, with that because of the Chiefs' attachment in the in the report. The safety position, and I know, I know Jamal Adams is super valuable as a breed. football player. Yeah, yeah. I'll give him that. But even with that considered, at the end of the day, he is still a safety. And the safety position is maybe the seventh most important position on the football field. And there are 20, 20, 20, 21, 22 total positions, right? Mm-hmm. And not including special teams, clearly. So my question is, is how do you justify to any logical thinking fan of your team that, hey, we traded a defensive edge or an edge rushing type of player, which is probably the third or fourth most important position mm-hmm. over for a guy who plays maybe the seventh or eighth most important position on the field? I get the talent level. Yeah. But you can't, again, when I talk about elevation, how does Jamal Adams make this team better? You don't make that type of trade unless he's going to make your team better. Well, he'll, he's going to make any team better that he joins. That's not a question. The Chiefs are the Super Bowl defending champs, and they yeah, brought back 91%. You're telling me adding an elite level safety to At the cost of losing Chris Jones? No, no, no. I'm saying only if Chris Jones is like, you know, fuck this. We're not going to meet. We're not going to We're not going to fix anything. Nothing. I, I want this amount, and you guys aren't willing to pay that amount. And if that amount is too much for the Chiefs, that's going to start ruining everything. This might sound I'm crazy. I'm not willing to do that. This might sound crazy, but I think if that was the scenario, if Chris Jones came out and said, you know what, I'm not playing football in 2020 for the Chiefs, trade me, I think the Chiefs could actually get a better trade in return than Jamal Adams. I truly believe that. And the reason why I say Maybe that – Maybe like three first-round picks or something. I'm not, I'm not talking about just draft picks. I'm talking about they can get – Things because here's I'm looking at this from an honest perspective. A, yes, yeah, yeah, I'm looking at this from an honest perspective. You put Jamal Adams in this defense right now. How are they that much better? Because mm-hmm. of the fact that Juan Thornhill is a 22 year old budding star at safety. Who yeah. will be? Who will be? Granted, I will say he's coming back from a significant injury, but we've seen in medical advances that an ACL tear is not something that keeps players from being great for the rest of their career, especially at a young age. Yeah. Second of all, the Chiefs have a twenty, soon to be 28-year-old Tyron Matthew, who they will be giving an extension for to sure. after this season, proven it. Yeah. who's already got a substantial amount of money coming his way from the Chiefs as it is. I have a hard time believing the Chiefs are going to uh, invest a second-round pick, an early second-round pick in Juan Thornhill, uh, and, and, and put in at least 40 to $50 million in total after the extension in Tyron Matthew, and then go and trade for Jamal Adams. I don't see how that makes any logical sense and how that makes your defense that much better, especially when you trade Chris Jones. So that's why I say in the scenario of actually trading Chris Jones, there are better trade markets out there for the Chiefs to acquire than a Jamal Adams based on position alone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what other defensive ends or, or edge rushers that are out there that are available um, that's something that I can have, think about and ponder on. But yeah, as, as far as just facing this head on, I definitely there there's I'm not going to deny that there's probably better 
trading acquisitions that we could acquire uh, at that same position as Chris Jones to have a you know a, a decent swap. Uh, no one on his level, but at least someone who's who's you know uh, comparable um, as far as talent. But yeah, I mean, it, my my what I want to happen obviously is to keep Chris Jones here and do everything we can. But if Chris Jones and his agent are just refusing to work with the Chiefs and it's they're not going to be able to be able to reach agreement, and both sides have come to that that that, I, that agreement that they cannot agree. Uh, I think you know I think maybe thinking about bringing Adams and maybe a couple picks for Chris Jones is, is a, is a, I mean, you're pocketing probably 10 million that you, that you would be putting towards Chris Jones. Cause I don't think, I don't think Jamal Adams is going to get anywhere close to 20 million. I think he might get more towards 10 to 12 million a year. I don't think he's going to get that much. Well, I, I think the only team that's going to pay him that, and I do believe they will at least close the to it's going to be the Cowboys. Could. So the Cowboys, I think it's going to definitely, the be Browns the got money too. I think, and then they have a young roster that they can build on. But well, yeah. And to add to it, I mean, why in the world would the jets trade him? They have him. Oh, they, don't, they have him they for don't at least want two more years, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they can franchise him after that. Yeah, that's that's the that's the first thing we got to come yeah. to grips with is do the jet the Jets could have every bit of leverage on him right now. He, he can name all the teams he wants, and honestly, it's funny when players name the teams that they're interested in because that hurts the team. Gives you no leverage. That he names exactly. It, get, it takes the leverage away from those teams because like, oh, we already know he's interested. He wants to play there. Right. We're gonna get we're gonna get as much from you as we can. Right. That only hurts that team. Yeah. So yeah. I, 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 I love Jamal. I love Jamal so much. I think he's a great talent. I think he's a top three safety in this league and could be the best in this league between him and Derwin James as far as the future of the league goes. But yeah, it's a discussion to be had, and I think it's something that could be you know thought about. But I don't think the Chiefs are going to do it. I don't think they're going to bite early. I think they're going to let somebody else take that chance if the Jets even want to do that. Uh, the Jets are smart. They'll just use them up and let them walk eventually you know they could tag him twice or he had one more year on his contract and then they can tag him two more times so they can have him for three more years you know see what he's really about you know and honestly i don't think new york's a bad spot right now i think they're building something over that could be decent but i don't believe in adam gase at all yeah that, no no offensively but i think they have some good defensive pieces he's a head there. coach though that's a problem yeah yeah it's true that's true <laughs> yeah but yeah good, good question good question eddie For and sure. trevor because eddie eddie brought it up tonight but trevor was the one that initially one, yeah, brought it up so <laughs> credit to both y'all for sure. All right, man. Uh, my second question uh, is: with all the outbreaks going on in uh, North American uh, in, the, in the North American sports world, uh, with the whole COVID nineteen, do you think it will affect the uh, NBA hopes of restarting, and will the NFL also see an effect? I feel like both leagues are already feeling it. Um, will it? ultimately detour them from finishing the season no i do not believe that because at the end of the day we, eddie you and i you and i talked about this before the show uh, or at least i was saying it to you yeah. um i'm one of the people that stand on the side of i don't know how this how the entire COVID thing is really going uh, i feel like we hear a, a mixed bag of, of results and news that it's so confusing as to where we're at because one breath you're hearing people talking about opening everything back up and it's just like we're going back to normal and then you have you know David Fauci and these other doctors and professionals saying hey stay you know stay as much to your routine as possible social distance wear masks so i'm trying to find the balance in between the two so with that said i do think at the end of the day these leagues are going to have no choice but to actually play their sports there are, I, to me there's no chance in hell at least to this place, and we got a long way to go. There's no chance in hell we see fans in an NFL stadium this year. I don't see it being possible unless there's some significant progress or a vaccine is dropped before the, the 2021 marker comes around. Um, but I do, I do a hundred percent. I look at it like this: baseball. If their heads weren't so far up their rectums right now, we would already have weeks of baseball behind us. 
we would already have baseball going. It has it honestly has very little to do with COVID. Now they're starting to have the training, the uh, facilities have COVID tests. But yeah. here's the thing from my end, and maybe, maybe this is an unpopular opinion. We are going to see tests positive from here on out. That is not changing. We we got to quit playing this shock value of, oh, my God, Ezekiel Elliott tested positive. Oh, my God, this guy tested. That is going to happen. That should not even be news at this point. Yeah. They are human beings that live in America just like you and I. There are people that are going to get this virus, and they're going to fight it. And most of them are asymptomatic. So I'm not trying to downplay it because they can absolutely spread it just yeah. like any of us could who could get sick off of it. My point, though, is, is if the leagues are playing off of this narrative that – well, if anybody gets sick or if anybody gets it, we can't play. We're never going to get sports, and I think they're aware of that. So they're going to do everything in their power to keep this thing as, as closely knit as possible to keep the sicknesses down as possible and keep the risk down as possible. But I 100% believe that by 2021, the NBA season is going to be wrapped up, the 2020 season is going to be wrapped up, and the NFL season is going to be mid-stride. I 100% believe that. Yeah, I mean, as far as sports continuing, like you said, they're going to have to start – and get things going. Uh, that's why I think the NBA is doing the, the perfect thing right now with the bubble starting there. Uh, and, and gradually, you know, cause just like we're doing with the nation in itself, like we're outside of the protests and shit that, you know, I've kind of nipped all that in the bud right now. But, um, before all that, all this was going on, everyone was, you know, isolated, you know, and we're slowly starting to open up restaurants and, you know, without max capacity or closing the indoor, if there's outdoor restaurants, they just have the outdoor sections opened up. There's certain things that we can do to progress. But as far as football goes, I mean, I, I don't know if, if there are going to be fans in the stadium. I think they can like, like NASCAR is doing They're They're doing like a, uh 5% capacity where they're allowing like 5,000 something people to spread out and actually be in attendance. That's touchy with the NFL because how, who gets the rights? Which fans get the rights? Or is it just the season ticket holders? Because there's a whole lot of season ticket holders that are going to be pissed off if they don't get the rights to get into the games. If you know, depending on how, how they pick and choose who's going to be there. Um, but I don't know. I, it's hard for me to have a, a stance on this yet on how it's going to go because there's so much in flux. There's so much we don't even know. If, we haven't even hit the second wave of this yet. We're not even there yet. You know, we're still dealing with the repercussions of the first time around and everything. So, in baseball, my, who knows what's going to happen with that? I don't know, man. Um, I think as long as we're testing people and constantly testing people, constantly testing locker rooms and cleaning locker rooms and making sure everyone's healthy, you know, monitoring everyone. Because, like like Lance said, we're going to have to kind of accept that there's going to be cases. It's just going to happen, especially with the way, you know, Ezekiel Elliott getting it. Is to no one's surprise. I mean, he's out there all the time at bars and stuff, and you know he's he's known to be a social Dak guy. Prescott's birthday party, yeah, that only had ten people. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's just in your bra. We, we're gonna have to move on with sports, and I think NBA is gonna be the the launching pad for that. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I see it going. All right. Yeah. I like how you guys brought up baseball. Uh, my next question is: uh, so a New York judge, uh, not Aaron Judge. <laughs> well, <laughs> actual, done, well done. Well done. Well done, Judge. Ruled that a letter sent by MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred to the Yankees addressing the findings of yeah. the 2017 investigation into the team should be unsealed. My question is, with this whole cheating and everything, and, and I know you brought up the, the, the whole PD, like, is it time for the for the league as a whole to remove the commissioner and, and put somebody that I think fits the position a lot better than, than he can? Absolutely. Rob Manfred, I, t- I tweeted this out three days ago. Rob Manfred should absolutely lose his job. 
for a myriad of reasons. I don't even we don't have to get into that as far as that that whole that that right there is a damnable offense. That alone should have him lose his job because imagine that type of information coming out about Roger Goodell. Because we all know the NFL is king, right? So there's a different magnitude. Imagine that exact type of situation where he he covered up things for the Patriots. Is he not fired? Is Roger Goodell not gone? How is it any different? See, it's all about what we care about more. We all care about the NFL more. That's why we overlook a lot of things that go on in other leagues, or at least a little bit less. Like where it's not as significant to us mm-hmm. because NFL matters more to us. So with the with Rob Manford, I mean, I watched um, the 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 um, when Green when Greeny had uh, Mike Greenberg had all of the commissioners on his show. Uh, was that four or five days ago, mm-hmm. I believe, talking about you know the return of sports. And Rob Manfred's on there, and and the news just dropped beforehand that him and the MLP uh, PA, the Players Association, which is the strongest in all of sports, mm-hmm. just had themselves a total bitch fit like an hour and a half before he goes on television, which I know just set Rob Manfred up for failure. The point remains, if you watch that again, go watch Rob Manfred on live television literally shitting his pants, trying to stumble and fumble over his own words doesn't even know what he's saying you can see it in his eyes he has no idea what he's talking about he has no idea what his next words are and it is so sad to see it is so pathetic to see because this man is so incompetent at his job he makes it so obvious that you almost want him gone just for the sympathy of himself just to see him be put out of his misery in a sense <laughs> it is so bad and i don't mean to shit on baseball because it's 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 low-hanging fruit at this it's point it's not the sports it's, fault it's so easy yeah. right now just to shit on sports but the point is that rob manford is only making things worse Dare I say he's the Kyrie Irving of the MLB right now. He's just making things worse. He's not helping anything. He's not solidifying anything. There's no confidence coming in him. He literally says in one breath, on the, the day before he goes on Mike Greenberg's show on ESPN, talking about I'm 100% confident we're getting yeah. baseball back. The very next day, uh, I'm not so sure anymore. Yeah. How are we supposed to believe in the, the face of the MLB? The MLB is one of the few leagues in our world, not just in America, in the world that doesn't have any true superstars that headline. Mike Trout does not headline for baseball. He doesn't. He doesn't. We More people know who Marlins Man is than fucking Mike Trout. If you saw Marlins Man walking mm. in the street, you'd know it's Marlins Man. I don't know about you see that. Mike, no, hold on. If we go to the Legends right now and you see Marlins Man, you know who that is. If Mike Trout's walking down, we will probably know Without who Mike a uniform, Trout is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's my point is that the, the players aren't even the star drivers in yeah. this league. Rob Manfred is a face in baseball. And he has no idea what he's doing. To answer your question in the longest way possible, Eddie, (laughs) yes, he should absolutely lose his job. And they need to get somebody in there who is finally competent. Because Bud Selig was the one, funny enough you ask, Eddie, in my opening monologue, who was the commissioner during the quote-unquote steroid era, who allowed it to happen, turned his back on it, turned a blind eye to it. And the moment the shit came out, he wants to start demonizing these players. The same players that saved his fucking league and his job, he wants to demonize them in front of Congress. Fuck those guys. Yeah, I, I definitely think he should lose his job. For the lack, and like you said, the players, the, MLB is not a player-driven thing. It's it's you, you don't know the players' personalities. You don't know them that well. And I think that's the MLB enjoys that being that way. I think that's kind of the goal of the MLB because they want to be that different. They want to be that America's pastime, originality, strictly business type. And I think I think there's a massive disconnect, not even between this the league, but Manfred and and the fans and the players. Obviously there's a disconnect between Manfred and the ownership and, and the players. Um because I think it's become more business than it is 
pleasure. I think they're making it way too much business oriented for these players than it is about having fun, going out there to the ballpark and playing for the fans or, you know, giving something, you know, people to, something to watch at home. You know, the diehard baseball players just want to watch something on base, watch some, um, something on TV with baseball wise, you know, so that this, the disconnect there, him being, you know, obviously selfish and has zero integrity, not only for his, his players that make this league what it is, and provide and put asses in the seats. You know, it's just, it's a, for me, it's just an egotistic pride issue that this guy's not willing to budge from. And he definitely, that that makes him incompetent to doing his job. So yeah, he definitely should go, but he won't, he definitely won't. Oh, we might have another segment on that one. Cause I actually totally disagree. I think Rob Manfred is going to get fired. I just don't see when baseball's ever proven to, to get rid of people that are controversial. It's never, they've never shown that. That's the problem though, is I don't think Rob Manfred's controversial. I just don't think he's anything. Uh, he yeah. doesn't stand in the way of anything. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's plain know, toast. That's yeah, exactly yeah. right. He, he yeah. makes no strong stand of anything. Yeah, for sure. All right, last question. Good question, Eddie. <laughs> Damn it, good question. All right, my last question. Uh, so, the University of Florida uh, president Kent uh, mm. Fox. Did I his last name? I don't know. <laughs> it's F U C. I'll tell you what, Kent Fox. Fush. So Fush. he he wrote a statement know. that he doesn't know of evidence of racism associated with their cheer, but there is horrific his, historic racist Im- imagery associated with the phrase Gator Bait. So my question to you guys is since mm. this this whole cheer thing came about, I read it, and as we know, we 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 are you know home of the Chiefs. Uh and they have a chant that, that is very well known. Uh, it's the uh, tomahawk chop. It, mm-hmm. it, to me, uh, not to me, but my question to you guys is: Should it also be taken into consideration to be removed because of what, like, it could rep- because it offends some people and what it represents to some people? So, what are your? Thoughts I, had, on? I had a conversation with a, a very intellectual friend of mine by the name of Landon. Uh, yesterday, he was asking me about the Aunt Jemima situation and uh, Uncle or was uh, Uncle, yeah, Ben's, Uncle Ben's, yeah, Aunt Jemima, and, and, yeah. and basically how they're going to rebrand all these, yeah, different brands. And he asked me my thoughts on the matter. I said a simple statement for for looking looking at the world and knowing how Amer- human beings have been leading up to this very second. We've gotten a lot of shit wrong, and I believe that we're in a place and a time where we're starting we're starting to slowly and gradually fix these things. And we've been doing that for years and years. It's just for some damn reason, we seem to be so behind still. And I feel like we're finally getting to a place where we're starting to get a lot of things right, whether it's opportunists getting things right or they're doing it for marketability and to save face. Regardless of the reason, it is happening. And I do believe that a lot of – for me, on my side, it's like what? who am I to combat it? If they want to change things that they feel are racist and it does offend other people, why am I going to fight that? Why am I going to sit and say, no, no, I want things the way I want them? My my opinion doesn't fucking matter in that time. So if this gator bait or if uh, the Ole Miss rebels and all these other things start to offend people and it has offended people and their voices are finally being heard, Mm -hmm. why am I going to say no to that? I'm going to stand with them 100% and say, you know what? If it offends a group of people, if the Redskins, you notice that's the first time I've ever said that word on this show. Mm -hmm. It's a reason for that because that name is a fucking racist name. And if people want that name gone, change the name. It's I don't need even to expand on that. It is so simple. If it offends people, if it is something that really does symbolize or attach itself to racist times and enslavement times, 
I am all for getting rid of it because it only makes things better for us as a society. It only unifies. Is that not what we're talking about? To unify, to bring people together. Okay, let's do that then. No. This is a way to do that. You know, yeah, and I, I 100% reflect your sentiments there. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, if regardless if the, if the tomahawk chop is, is is taken as a derogatory chant or or is offensive to the Native Americans that we stole this land from, they have the say. If they feel that it's offensive to them, and, and they have a, and the majority of them come to an agreement that it's offensive, take it out. You know what's going to happen the next season when they take it out? I'm going to cheer for the Chiefs just as hard as I was before. Right. It's going to be weird not having that chant because I, I grew up and that's burnt into my brain. But that I'm going to love this team just as much. It's not going to change anything with my fandom. The, 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 I love what's honestly. I personally love what's going on in our country right now because we're going through a cleansing. Everything should be questioned right now. Why not? Every single thing should be questioned right now that has a racist undertone to Make it. Make everybody uncomfortable. Why? Yeah. Everybody we're, what we're doing right now is we're flushing out all the people that are offended by people being offended by this racist shit. There's literally people being offended that are that 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 uh, uh, um, um, Southern pride uh, um, uh, rebel Confederate, flag, re- Confederate yeah. statues are being tar- torn down. People are offended that Christopher Columbus statues are being beheaded. Fuck is Christopher. If you Clark, understand man. history, you understand the, the the underlying racist tones to it, and the in the it's just all of this stuff is connected. So uh, bring it just bring it back to the Chiefs. We can go on about that all day. There's so many things going on right now that could be look, deemed as offensive. And if you want to get mad at people for being offended by it, that's your own problem. That's a you issue. Um, if the Tom if the name Chiefs is is an issue. I don't have a say over that. I can I can voice my opinion, but my opinion falls flat compared to the people that are actually offended by it. That 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 you know directly affects or represents or misrepresents their heritage. That's not my call. Uh, regardless, the names Redskin and 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 certain other names, you know, the Cleveland Indians, things like that, that have stuck around, is merely because they stuck around merely because of pride and money. Because these these companies don't want to rebrand, they're too prideful to drop drop their you know egos and say you know what we're wrong. This, and this, quite th- frankly, there's still a, there was still enough people that defended it to oh, where they sure. feel they didn't need to. For sure, and, 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 and you go figure that the majority of those people that are defending it are white owners, and ninety percent, ninety five percent of the ownerships in most sports are Caucasian American people. So yeah, just, I, I I I fully support anyone who's offended by it, and I would your voice should be heard. Period. So. All right, that was good a, shit tonight, Eddie. Really question. appreciate those controversial questions. I love yeah. it, man. Bring that shit. <laughs> Last week was fire. This week's fire, man. You just call you butter. You're on a roll, I man. Can't wait so, to hear the feedback on this stuff. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, I'm gonna talk to you guys about the most interesting chief, and I don't think it's that close. Coming into 2020, who is the who is the chief that I am looking forward to seeing develop even more this next season? We'll get back to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kent City focus on modern handmade and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Hold up, son. Word. Yeah. 
to all the killers and the hundred dollar billers. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number four. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Twidwell Studios with my guys Trevor Twidwell good. and Eddie Ortiz. Good, good, good. In case you missed the very beginning, uh, we are in a little bit of a renovation right now, guys. We have our um, entire studio getting gutted out right now. <laughs> like Gat and, and the crew are just taking care of things. I'm really excited about what we're going to be having there the next time we're in the studio. So in the meantime, we had to keep the streak alive and keep the show alive for episode 69 and uh, give you guys what we guys what we got. Because believe it or not, man, it is, as slow as things have been, man, we continue to have enough to talk about, man. It's been it has not been tough to to figure out topics to give you guys our thoughts on. So speaking of that. These last two weeks have been a lot of, of Chiefs-related topics, and I, I'm definitely going to keep that alive because when you when, now that we look at a team for the first time in our lifetime as a Super Bowl contender or a Super Bowl champion and now the Super Bowl defending champion, you have to an, a, a, analyze the team in a different way because expectations are different. And the fact that the Chiefs are in, a, in rare company where they brought back so many of their starters, so the expectations – are higher than maybe any other team outside of maybe the 2004 Patriots who brought back the majority of their team as well. The expectations are at an all-time high here in Kansas City. There's no question about it. I was actually uh, in a debate with um, Adam Rank from uh, uh, NFL Network nice. this week. He made a post um, regarding the Chiefs. He actually did his, his predictions on all 32 teams, and he has the, te- the Chiefs going 10-6, and six, finishing second in the AFC West as the <laughs> sixth seed in the playoffs. I'm not giving you guys my predictions on that yet, oh, no. but I did challenge him on a few things. He came back at me a few times, automatically got offended, even though I kept it very respectful. He just probably, he's probably so used to his defense. He's probably so used to getting hit on Facebook, on Twitter in a negative way that he took my response in a negative way. You could check it out at Lance, the spoken. Um, but the point is, is that there's a lot of varied opinions of what we, what we're supposed to see in 2020 from the chiefs. And we're going to definitely give you guys our predictions as to what we think is going to happen in the very near future, as we always do here at The Spoken. But I really I wanted to micro-analyze this team a little bit more. And I think that that's where we need to be in the summertime, is to look at this team from a player-to-player basis. And I thought to myself, who is it that I find the most interesting going into 2020 on this current roster? The, the, the easy ones are, you know, obviously Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's, you know, going to, I think, have an, a monstrous season in 2020 for years to come. Uh, you can look at Willie Gay Jr. Obviously, I think this kid's going to be an absolute stud at middle linebacker. Day one make, starter. Yeah, he's going to make immediate impact on this team. And I think the better – I think he's going to be the best draft pick the Chiefs had this year. Nice. Legereus Smith. You know, you go down the list of, uh, of of these guys, the offensive tackle they took out of TCU. You know, th- these are legitimate guys that can spark your interest. But I thought about it and I said, you know – how about I go on the defensive side and stay on the defensive side? Because I think there are some guys that get a little overlooked because of the big names like Frank Clark, like Chris Jones, like Tyron Matthew, even Juan Thornhill at this point. I think there's some guys that get overlooked a little bit, and I think they're very interesting, more interesting than some even believe. And I thought to myself, there's a dude on this defense that has still so much to prove, and I think that we could be in a situation where we don't really know what he is and if he is at his best, or he can even be better. And I'm talking about one, Charvarius Ward. Charvarius Ward is such a unique player because of the fact that you didn't see him coming. You had no idea who this guy was. I think yeah. he was a part of the trade for uh, Parker Ingerger. Yeah, we got him for pennies. Nobody knew who this kid was. You thought he was just some project, some throw-in for a draft pick, or I'm sorry, for a trade. 
And what do you know? This guy ends up becoming essentially the best cornerback, or at least 1A or 1B to, to a Bashad Breeland. Regardless of the point, this guy has played well enough to be a significant and respected starter in today's NFL at the cornerback position. But at the same time, I feel like Charverius Ward doesn't get a lot of recognition for being a starter on the Super Bowl champion team to play a significant role on a Super Bowl defending champion team because of the fact that going into last season, we all talked about how cornerback was going to be a, a, a position of concern. The Chiefs are so thin at that position. And what do you know? They ended up playing a really good football. Him and Brashad Breeland ended up playing above average football all season long. Yeah. Shavarius had his problems, but he's still a young player. He's 23 years old last season. Going into his year 24 in 2020, plus the fact that Shavarius Ward is up eligible for an extension after this season, I really had to ask myself, as good as Shavarius Ward has been at times and consistently, have we seen the best? And if we have seen the best, is his best good enough? And do I expect more? I'm going to sit here and tell you guys, I'm big on Shavarius Ward this season. I am fully expecting Shavarius Ward is not only going to play just as good as he did in 2019, I think he's actually going to play better. Because he also have to remember that he switched from Bob Sutton's system in 2018 to 2019's of Steve Spagnuolo's, right. which is clearly more beneficial to a guy like Shavarius Ward. The pressure is not even on Shavarius Ward coming the season. Even if, even if we could talk about him for the next eight episodes in a row. No one is going to put the pressure on Charverius Ward because Bashad Breeland is still cornerback one in regards to roster and depth chart moves. At the same time, I think it is fair to sit here and say that I'm expecting Charverius Ward to make this step up because there's a lot riding on it. I don't think if Charverius Ward plays well this season, if he plays below average, he's not a chief in 2021 because the bar is so high right. that every starting player on this team is going to have to play at a different level than they would on a 5-11, and 6-10 and 10 type of team or even just a normal playoff team. I fully expect that Charverius Ward knows these things. I think he's smart enough. I think he's uh, uh, educated enough to know that where, where he's at right now is a prime position to extend his career and furthermore extend it in Kansas City to me, all signs are pointing positive for Shervarius Ward in Kansas City. Trevor, what are your thoughts on this? Is he the most interesting guy to you on this team right now? And if not, who is it? Um, I agree with you that he's the most interesting because of the mystery that's behind him, like how he, we acquired him and no one saw it coming and he, him being such a consistent producer in this defense. Um, and I, I think it's completely fair to, to expect improvement upon this next season with him being in this system for another full offseason. Uh and you know, being alongside Rashad Breeland and learning from him, you know, and learning from his mistakes, and and you know, them feeding off each other. Uh, our our cornerbacks in period last year was the biggest surprise and the most interesting thing about our defense last year because of how bad it was the, the previous couple seasons and how much we were getting just just absolutely obliterated over the top for a good couple years there. Um, so I. I I agree with you. I think he's interesting. I definitely think he could produce and, and get better as time goes on. Um, like, like you said, he's young. He could get a contract, and that contract isn't going to be, you know, a hefty one. You know, even if he does get paid, it's not like he's going to demand, you know, high, uh, high, you know, top dollar for his position. Um, even if he performs at that level, he, he's. I think he's going to be aware that, you know we gave him that opportunity when no one else really was, we picked him up, you know, and put him out there and believed in him, you know? So I think there's going to be some, you know, uh, favor for the chiefs there. Cause we're going to have him on the cheap and having cheap cornerbacks that produce is 
one of the most ideal situations outside of maybe having a, a, a an edge rusher that produces and on, on the cheap, you know, at a high level. So having the you know cornerback um, that produces on the way he's been producing this like this past season, um, it's a great situation for the Chiefs as an organization as a, and as a defense as a whole. So yeah, I, I agree. He's definitely interesting, and I'm very interested and excited to see. That's one of my biggest things that I'm looking forward to watching next season is is he going to take that next step or is he going to regress? And is his pressure, and like you said, there's not much pressure on him, but um, is he going to create his own pressure? Cause we see, we know a lot of guys that put that on themselves. Is he going to, you know, crack under his own, you know, self perpetuated pressure on himself. Is he going to create that in, in his own little reality? You know, is he going to crumble under that? You know, the, we're going to see. Um, I do think he comes out on the right end of it though. And I think he's going to produce. And I 100% agree with you that he's, He's uh, going to be a promising player for the Chiefs probably for the next four or five years if he plays his cards right. Yeah, uh, I'm agree with you guys. Uh, I think the most intriguing player is is Ward. Yeah. Every time I think about him, I, I always go back to the Seattle Seahawks game. And I believe that was his first ever game starting. And, and the way Russell Wilson just pretty much made him his bitch. And, and I know that that hunts him till this day because that's what, you know, he was put on the spotlight that day. Mm-hmm. The way he was able to recover from that, the, the way he came back this last season and just pretty much proved he was he could be up there with with the best corners in the in the game. You know, the, like. Well, and the coaching staff believing in him too, keeping exact, him out there. Keeping him out For there. For sure. I, I they only, know something. Yeah, I only think he's going to get better, man. I, we've only seen one full season of him. And what he showed us just this past season was incredible. Mm. The way he was able to recover from, like I said, the Seattle Seahawks game, which if I'm sure any other coach would have been like, you know what, like, yeah, no, we're not going to do it again. But Andy Reid, you know, stuck with them and kept working with them. And and I'm sure that, that Ward saw that and he put in the work and we saw the outcome last season. And, and, and I think he's going to be one of those players that's just – I think he's going to outperform a lot of the top corners next next well, season. I'm really glad, actually, Eddie, you brought up the the Seattle Seahawks game because not only did he get obliterated in that game, he was embarrassed mm. in that game. I think he gave up two touchdowns in that game. Over the top. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, not, not only that, for me, I think to this point, and maybe for the rest of his career, Shervarius Ward, who we're talking about, I think that was his most pivotal moment of his NFL mm-hmm. career. Even though it can be unfair to say that because it was his first start and it was on primetime game in Seattle yeah. mm-hmm. against Russell Wilson, who's the second best quarterback in the NFL. You know, there's a lot riding on that for him. And he did get humiliated. That was a moment in time where he could have let that break him right. early. Right. Oh, yes. We see it all the time. That says and, a lot about his personality. In a lot exactly. of positions, a lot of positions in the NFL where a guy has a horrible start to his career and he just lets that yep. it's a downhill slope from that point on. He bounced back in such a significant way. And we he became I think one of the more underappreciated yet a fan favorite at the same time. It's very unique to be that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And he's been he's been outspoken on Twitter, oh, yeah. which is something I, I do appreciate about him is he's very vocal. He has his teammates back. I remember when the Chiefs lost frustrating games to the Texans and Colts in back-to-back weeks. He was out there saying, Hey, rally with us now. We're gonna get back. He was he was out there being vocal as a young player. Like mm-hmm. that's saying something. I like that type of leadership. And 
to bounce back the way he did, I give him credit for that, to play big in big games afterward, to be able to adapt and adjust to a new system within a one-year span, to come back in a second year. This is why I I do believe he's going to have a better season even in 2020 than in 2019. Plus, like I said, the looming contract situation of wanting to get that extension. The cornerback position, if we've known anything from other great coaches like Bill Belichick, they invest in corners. Mm -hmm. So I fully expect that the Chiefs, if he has himself another stellar season, or at least a good season, the Chiefs are going to extend Shervarius Char- Ward into the next three to four years. My question, though, to add to all this is let's say Shervarius Ward doesn't uh, elevate his game but plays more of the same of 2019. Are you guys okay with the Chiefs giving him a four- or five-year deal? If this is the best that we see of Charveris Ward, are you good with them locking him up for the future if this is what we have for the next four or five years? Yeah, no, I'm 100% good with that because that that would mean we have consistency. He was consistent all year last year. Um, But I will say, too, there are two different ways athletes can be tested as far as their psyche goes. He overcame being humiliated and then overcame that and by having a a solid season the rest of that way and a solid postseason the rest of that way. But now there's another way an athlete gets tested is when you have success – this ties into what you just asked right now. Do you carry on with that success now that you know that's what's expected of you? That's a whole nother level of pressure because now people know you're good. Now people know you you can be a good player. So are you going to be able to accept that you're good and accept that you're that level of a player and try to build upon that? Or are you going to crumble under that pressure? I do think he benefited a lot from us actually having safety play. I said this all, all year last year. Tyron Matthew was the – the biggest impact player on our defense last year no because question. of his vocal leadership because we were missing that without Eric Berry. Eric Berry was that guy for a long time. Him and him and uh, Derek Thomas or Derek Thomas, Derek Johnson both were that guy. You know, we were lacking that vocal leadership and Tyron being out there and firing guys up. Even if he wasn't making plays himself, he was getting guys fired up and he was helping guys, you know, stay in position. So I think he benefited from that too. But I, I definitely like if like you said, if he is who he who he, how he was all season last year and doesn't really progress much over that. I'm definitely good with with uh, signing for a four or five years deal because I don't think he's going to cost that much. Period. So I'm, I'm with yeah, it. I'm with Trevor. Like if he stays consistent to what he did last year and what he what he carried over from the season prior to that, it, it would it would only be a smart move for the Chiefs because you're you're locking up a corner who can stay consistent and then you're you're not going to give up too much cap for that and healthy that. too. He's if, got a good bill of healthy, health. Yeah. So yeah. I wouldn't mind the Chiefs signing him uh, for for a long long term deal, like even if he performs the same way he performed last last season, he was great. If he performs better, it's only going to be more expensive for the Chiefs. Well, it, it, yeah. it'll only make make. I mean, the, you want it to perform better, uh, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, but it would only question the Chiefs if they can sign him long long sure. term after, after. And that. that's and I actually think the Chiefs, if they were being honest, well, I think they are with their actions. I think they agree with what we're saying because. If you notice, I think Legereus Smith has a really good chance of being a good player. Yeah. He's extremely athletic, and 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 from everything I've seen from film and listening to Craig Stout from Arrowhead Long Pride, arms. Yep. he's he's a, he's a hell of an athlete, and I think he's got an opportunity to, to advance in this bag system. But the Chiefs didn't take a corner until the fourth round at 138th overall with Legereus Smith, and that was the first corner that uh, I believe Brett Veach has ever selected as the GM of mm-hmm. the Chiefs in in a draft pick. So. For you to wait, if the, if the Chiefs, I felt like, had any type of shaky confidence with Charvarius Ward and with Bashad Breland's situation off the field, 
for them to still wait till the wait, fourth yeah. round when we we all talked about how this was the draft pick. This is the draft where the Chiefs could literally take any position, and we really didn't have a problem with it because of yeah. they're so stacked. And we've seen Veach's uh, be, be you know proactive yeah. even with the Tyreek Hill situation. You know, because we, we weren't sure about Tyreek Hill. So we drafted Nicole Hardman. Right. So him, him for them yeah, not to yeah. draft a corner until middle of the draft. Right. Right. When they only had five picks to start the draft, he's sure about them. They, they. I think they know that. I think Spags has reconfirmed to the to the brass of the Chiefs. Hey, we have something here with Shavarius Ward, yeah. and he, like Trevor talked about, he is young. He is cheap right now, but the the, the, the dollar signs are going to follow him if he performs to a certain level, especially. And we know how sports and team sports go. If you're attached to success. You're naturally going to get that cachet oh, to yeah. get you money. Yeah, we talk about how it's it's the it's the the Super Bowl tax basically. Look at guys like Demarcus Robinson got himself a raise with the, his, own, his own team. He came back and got himself a raise. If the pandemic never happened, I guarantee you Demarcus Robinson would have got himself a much bigger deal from somewhere else. But with everything going on and not being able to do your testing and physicals and all that stuff, that's why he decided to come back to Kansas City. He still got himself a bump in pay. Mm. Same with Rashad Breeland, got himself a bump in pay. It's not that Brashad Williams is great lockdown corner. It's the fact that he was the number one corner on the best team in football who won the Super Bowl. Right. So same with Shavarius Ward. He's already got that ring locked up. So if he goes and gets himself another or they get themselves in the Super Bowl, you're talking about a taxation unlike anything that I think Shavarius Ward could ever have seen getting traded to Kansas City initially. As basically at that point when Parker Ingerger was getting traded, I think was it uh, – was the Colts, I believe it was, that they made the trade with. I, I could be wrong. Yeah. At that time, people thought that the other team made won that trade. Right, right. And now we look at it, and it's no question the Chiefs won that trade. So he's the type of guy that I think can be both diamond in the rough and a star talent. It's very hard to find those guys. We've had guys like Ron Parker who came and played for two or three years and played okay, and then he All just right. dissolved. Yeah, yeah, he just dissolved. I think Shavarius Ward can be one of those guys, and it's beautiful about football is you get these guys that no one expects to be great, no one expects to be well, and all of a sudden they're in the Hall of Fame. Or Leonard Scanter? He's got blocked. You're, you're, <laughs> it's like a round the horn right here. He's got muted for 30 you're fired. seconds. You're fired. You got Tony Reality in this bitch. <laughs> there we see it, we see it happen where we're guys that you don't expect to be great at football become great. I'm not saying Shavarius Ward's gonna become a Hall of Fame player. My hmm. point though is, is I feel it's fair to say – it's more fair to say that Shervarius Ward is going upward than he is going to go downward yeah, because yeah. of the fact of what we've seen him elevate his game in the most pressurized situations ever. He doesn't have the number one expectation pressure, but like we just alluded, Eddie brought it up, to be able to go out there and get humiliated on national television on a team who had Super Bowl aspirations to bounce back and become a reliable asset on that team for the next year, year and a half, and years to come – that tells me everything I need to know about a guy. His mental fortitude, his emotional fortitude, knowing and being determined that he's going to be a benefitor, a benefactor to this team as opposed to somebody who retracts from this team, who pulls away from this team. He could have easily become that guy. We all know cornerbacks. They are the most egotistical guys on any team. Them and wide, receivers. wide receivers. Yes, yeah. thank you. Because why? They're on islands. Yep. They have to believe in themselves. Yep. They have to. Deion Sanders is the greatest cornerback to ever play this game. The cockiest son of a bitch you'll ever see on a football field. Yeah. But he backed that shit returning, up. Out of yeah. returning kickoffs. Yeah. Now, Shavarius Ward, from everything I've seen, is one of the rare types where he doesn't talk a lot. But he, that motherfucker backs it up He's got very, on the field. very humble beginnings. Yes. Yeah. 
So he's I, just starting, man. He's just starting. And that's what yeah. that's why he's so interesting to me. Yes. Because I feel like we're seeing the beginnings of something that can yeah, be we, special, like, man. We still don't know what can okay, like, We need to stop talking about him because now he's going to get hurt or something. You guys are we're jinxing <laughs> oh, this shit. shit. No, it just – yeah, not, we got a wooden table here. I, I just – I wanted to open up this conversation because I feel like how we talked last week about Travis Kelsey's contract, how it doesn't get talked about. Mm. I wanted to dig even deeper and find something else that doesn't get talked about. And it's Traverius Ward. And it's so weird because I feel like there's so many interesting things about this guy. Like Trevor said, from the humble beginnings yeah. to being no one expected shit from him. Now it still feels like no one's expected shit, from right? Him. Yes, yeah, undrafted. No one expected shit from him back then, and 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 it feels like no one's really talking about him now, even though the Chiefs essentially ignored the position in the draft. I mean, yeah. Legarius Smith is a project at this point, and no one's expecting Legarius Smith to start this year, right. unless it's like nickel dime packages. Unless he's going to be a luxury position, everybody knows that Charvarius Ward's a starter, yet we don't talk about him enough. Yeah. And it's so odd to me, especially with Bashad Brilliant. When he when the whole situation happened at the gas station, if if Bashad Brilliant gets cut, who's 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 cornerback one? Yeah. Bash, uh, Ward. Yeah. Would that have changed things? Would we be talking about him at a more, more higher rate? I know there's a lot of other things going on right now in the world of sports and our world in general. Maybe mm. if this was a normal offseason, we'd hear a little bit more about him. Mm. The point, though, remains that needs to be voiced. It needs He needs the credit he deserves. I think he's super interesting. I think he's super talented. And I think I don't think we've seen the best of him to this point. Well, I think the Chiefs have proven that how they feel about him. And, and they keep him on the field, put him out there in those positions, trusting him. And he's done nothing but do his job to the highest of his ability right now. So. Well, I'd love I'd love to hear our, our listeners' thoughts on Shavarius Ward. What are you guys expecting? Are you guys expecting more of the same? Are you expecting a, a slide down a little bit? Maybe he just he overachieved a little bit in 2019, or are you expecting what I'm expecting, and that's that he's going to take it to the next level? Shavarius Ward is going to uh, uh, totally stab his 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 flag into the mount, top of the mountain. He says, "Look, I'm here to stay. I'm going to be a guy that Chiefs can rely on for years to come at the cornerback position. Trust in me." That's what I'm expecting. I hope that's what happens, but I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. And speaking of your guys' thoughts, it's time to go to the Monday Mailbag. Casey Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide, ancient plant, for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hempco. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. It is time for the Monday mailbag. Every single week, what we do is we give you guys the platform, the opportunity to essentially take over the take over the show for an entire segment. When you guys ask us the questions, you raise the topics, the debates, the discussions, whatever you guys have that you want us to chat about on the show. We name drop you. We give you guys an opportunity to, like I said, basically run this show for an entire 20, 25 minute segment. So without further ado, let's give it to the people. Eddie, what is in the Monday mailbag this week? All right. So I love how Donnie Couch uh, begins this. Uh, you almost have to assume Donnie's going to be in the oh, Monday yeah. mailbag at this point. Like it's <laughs> just like, what did Donnie say this week? Let's call it the Donnie mailbag. How about that? <laughs> the Don bag. <laughs> I like he takes a little, <laughs> little jab at Lance and every question. Oh, imagine that. This is, hey guys, thanks for inviting me to the on-time mailbag this mm. week, which is not late at all. <laughs> Sorry, Donnie, I was uh, out looking for toothpaste. <laughs> he says, I have three questions. My first one is, if, say, the Chiefs lose Chris Jones for the season due to a, to a deal, injury, 
uh, and you had time a time machine and could choose any other defensive tackle that has played in the league in their prime for just this season to replace Chris, who would it be? My choice would be Warren Sapp, which was easy. So who would you replace him with if you can bring a player from can any, it, I mean, anytime? I'm assuming he also means current players, correct? Yeah, anytime, anytime. Oh, okay, Aaron Donald, no question. Yeah, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, to me, besides Reggie White, is probably the best we've I ever think he's seen. Better than Reggie White, and yeah, and 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 it just Aaron Donald the way the way it was described uh, a week ago on on the herd. Um, I forget who was on the show, but they they broke it down. It, it's it's frustrating. Oh no, it was uh, actually Wentworth. Uh, their their tackle, uh, the Rams tackle. He talked about how unlike most guys at that position. Aaron Donald is always going to get to the quarterback. It's just a matter of can you slow him down before the ball gets out. His feet are constantly moving forward. He's constantly moving forward. That is something you just don't see at that position. Yeah. If I'm if if I'm switching off because to be to be honest with you, the only guy in the league right now better than Chris Jones is Aaron Donald. So if I'm gonna have to lose Chris Jones and I get to go into a time warp, I'm staying right in this time and I'm getting a guy who's better than Chris Jones. That's Aaron Donald. So. This, I know Warren Sapp was great. Warren Sapp was amazing. One of the greatest to ever do it. Aaron Donald is simply a better football player, a better athlete for that matter. I'm taking Aaron Donald. Yeah, Aaron Donald is one of the greatest, maybe top five defensive players of all time. I mean, the guys, he's a test to baby to play football. He's what LeBron James is to basketball, what he is to the NFL. Because even, even I think Bleacher Report, um, uh, I think, had him as the best football player in the NFL. Right, I think Patrick Mahomes is right below him, which I'm not even mad about that because overall, he's that pound, good. Pound for pound, he's arguably the best player he's in football. He's that good. Pound for pound, he for, just what, for what he does at his position, yeah. he is equivalent almost. He is equivalent to what Patrick Mahomes does. He just with doesn't play a more important position for sure. That's, for sure. Only, that's I mean, the only real yeah, difference. Yeah, pound for pound, what he do, what he produces at his position. Right. Yeah. If you're gonna if we're gonna lose Chris Jones, it's a no brainer. Honestly, to me, I mean, there's a lot of great players you can fill in that spot, but. Aaron Donald, I think, is going to go down as the best at that position of all time. So it's going to be Aaron Donald for me as well. Put him in, put him in Canton now, dude. Yeah, no doubt. Let's say maybe prime JJ Watt too is up there. I mean, during his run, he was incredible. But yeah. Um, so let's just say not this time, but like a previous previous decade. Reggie White. Yeah, I, yeah, Reggie White or Warren Sapp. I mean, Warren Sapp's not a wrong answer. No, no, no. Yeah, I just like I like Reggie White's game better than Warren's. To be honest, he was more. Yeah. Warren Sapp was more angry. Reggie White was more consistently dominant. He was more tech. He was more consistently yeah, yeah, dominant. Yeah, he was more technically sound. Like too. Warren Sapp had his highs and he had his lows. I mean, he didn't ever have bad seasons, but he, there were times where Warren Sapp would disappear for games. Reggie White was consistently making impact in games. Reggie White before Aaron Donald was without question the best player at that position ever. It's not even debatable. That's how great Reggie, Reggie White was. It's just that Aaron Donald now plays at such a prolific difference as far as level is concerned that it's just, it's not even debatable. And it's crazy because the dude's only 28 years old and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's, he's still got another probably three or four really good years of football left in him. And he's already to me, the goat at his position. Yeah. I'm with you on that. All right. All right. Uh, Second question. What are your thoughts on the Royals going forward as an organization? And do you think this developmental process will take longer than fans think it will? Oh, it's definitely going to take longer because we're not going to have baseball this year. <laughs> I've been saying this now for a long time. It's, I, like what, I like what you did there. It's <laughs> been a really long time, guys. I mean, we, 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 can, legit, we can legit see the, the Chiefs win two Super Bowls before the Royals play their next game. That's yeah. how crazy it is. Think about that. The, the Chiefs could legit win two two Super Bowls before the Royals play their next, like in between games. 
That's crazy to think, right? I mean, that's that's where we're at. And so to answer your question as candidly as I possibly can and as honestly as I possibly can, it, I think the Royals are in a really good position, especially when they went and got Asa. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a damn good pitcher, a lefty, just an absolute stud. You already have the young studs up in the majors right now. This team's not far off, to be honest with you. They have a lot of work to do, but we saw what the 2013 and 2014 Royals did. They started to progress as young players. And then you saw in 2015 or 2014, got to the World Series and went back-to-back ended up finishing it off in 2015. This team's not far off. I can if if everything goes as I see it going, I think in 2023 the the, the Chiefs, the Royals will be back in the playoffs. I, that's that's where I see it. But it's it, like I said, that's a, a few years to go. But I, I can definitely see them being back in the playoffs in the next couple of years. Yeah, Austin is going to have a whole lot of time to get to know the team and get to know the club and get to know the fellow pitchers and his and his bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have a whole lot of time to get that camaraderie built there. Because uh, I've been calling it for about a month now that I didn't think baseball was going to make it back this year. Um, there's a good, there's a chance, not a good chance. There's a chance that it still could, obviously, but just with what the the ownership and the, the 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 friction and the distance between the the, the union and then the ownership and representation of the league is just so it couldn't be further apart still, and it's really embarrassing, honestly. So uh, the Royals, I think they're in a good spot. Like Lance said, I think they definitely are building a young roster here, um, especially in the bullpen. Um, if they can get them a couple aces and guys that can, you know, set themselves apart and build upon something. So yeah, I think they're, I think they're trending towards the right direction for sure. Just ask, just ask Rob Manford. I'm sure he'll give you a good answer. Yeah, Jesus dude. <laughs> All right. Uh, third question. This is the last question we got for the, for the uh, money mailbag. So what are your guys thoughts on the possibility of Arrowhead hosting a Super Bowl? I was always under the uh, under the mindset that the reason it's never hosted one is because the stadium does not have a roof. That's a significant reason, and we live in a cold area of the, yeah, of the, the, time the country. Of year. Look, man, it, it, if you anybody's ever been to Arrowhead, you know how horrible the traffic is, how there's no hotels hardly at all in that region. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kansas City has tried to accommodate this. I mean, the Chiefs have tried to accommodate this by going and playing in uh, uh, London when they didn't have to uh, against the Lions a few years ago. The Chiefs have incredible – Obviously, some of the best attendance in football. Well, they did that for the draft. That, I'm, that's what I'm saying. The Chiefs have been showing the NFL they're doing good faith type of moves to try to make this happen. They are going to. I do believe they're going to host a Super Bowl, but I don't believe it's going to be in the near future. I do believe in, in the next head. in the next five to ten years, the Chiefs will host it. But yes, I do believe it will be at Arrowhead. But by that time, Arrowhead will have a dome. I, I do believe it's going to be a rollout type of dome. Because maybe not a dome, maybe a retractable roof. A retractable roof. I yeah. apologize. Yes, yeah, yeah. a retractable roof because once the Royals are out of uh, the Kauffman section, the Chiefs will have that entire area for it's them like to 10 do years as they ago, they, they brought that idea out and they, they retracted it. Yeah, well, literally. Yeah. And, the, I think the taxpayers didn't want to pay the tax. Right. And right. when you have both teams so close like that, it makes things difficult for you to do those types of developments. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not possible, yeah. but when the Chiefs will have that whole domain, and they will in the next eight to 10 years, that will be when I think the Chiefs get because I what's going to happen is you're going to start seeing uh, Kauffman Stadium getting built in downtown KCMO, and once that happens, the NFL and the and, and the Chiefs will start to discuss these things and say, all right, in 2029, you guys are going to get the Super Bowl. Make sure all these things are done, all the parameters are done. You guys have your little shopping centers like Gillette Stadium does. We have the little mall outside of the stadium. Yeah. I, I think the Chiefs are going to have the retractable roof. Then it, there's no question because Patrick Mahomes will still be playing in the league. He'll be 31 years old at that time. He'll still be in the prime of his career. You still got the superstar of the league at that time. It's hard to project that, but more than likely he will be. That's when the Chiefs are going to get those that type of situation. Yeah. And it may be cool to play, be the first team to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah, just, added, just added to that, 
this whole renovation thing process that the Chiefs are going through, it, it's not because of like what what the like what they want to do, but it's something that FIFA has required stadiums in America mm. to do. So this is more of a World Cup uh, thing that they're doing right it's now necessary. with the whole renovation thing. Yeah. So that, that's that's them getting prepared for the World Cup and showing FIFA that they actually want to want to host the the World Cup here. So yeah, it, it it's. It's it's cool because they can they can throw that uh that dome idea now that they're leading up to the World Cup and they're taking care of those little details that they need to take care of first. Mm-hmm. Then let's say they host the World Cup and then right after that they can start going and focusing into the big structures. So, yeah, no, I think I, I was excited about the retractable roof idea like what eight years ago or something like that when they brought it up talking about doing it. They've been talking about doing it for a long time, and I was always on board with it, even though it does kind of take away like with the machismo of having the 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 old the classical coliseum type stadiums because we're one of the last few you know real like loud outside stadiums that you know kind of kept that old school vibe to it but i think you know you got to be progressive and i think that if you really if you really want a super bowl it's cold as shit around that time of year in kansas city most i mean outside if we had to host the super bowl this past time the super bowl weather outside this past super bowl was great we were outside i was outside with my shirt off half the time so i mean it was I think we could have got guy over here thirst trapping. Yeah, hey, just saying. My um, DMs, beep, 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 Facebook, <laughs> bro. No, um, I, there's so much that's got to be done before we can even fathom having a Super Bowl. Like you said, the downtown stuff, lack of hotels, lack of good places to eat. There's so many, you know, hospitality yeah, things. We're not ready for it right no, now. No, no, no. I mean, we're not. Even, the airport's not even ready for a draft yet. So oh, we got to. Yeah, we got to get the. I mean, trust me, my my. My FedEx route is out at the airport and all the construction. I mean, they're getting it done, though. I will admit they're they're working on it. But I mean, um, the the draft has got to obviously take place first. We got to get a draft. We've been granted that, you know. So we'll, we're going to have an NFL draft here pretty soon. Um, but yeah, Super Bowl would be, would be exciting. I'll, I'll definitely sell one of my kids just to attend that. <laughs> um, but especially the Chiefs are playing at home in the Super Bowl. As I mean, long as it's not Scarlett or Jets, it's, it's worth it. Yeah, I'll adopt a kid and then sell it. No. Um, <laughs> Eddie, what, Eddie, what you got going on? You ready to be adopted? <laughs> sign and trade. It's a sign and trade with Eddie. He's going to adopt Kyrie. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, we have so much. We got so much um, construction to do and so much just overall work to do as far as the city and, and, and then the, the surrounding um, location of the stadium to have that much people and have that much attention in the city. We weren't ready for the parades half the time. Most of the time, the parades were just chaos. Um, this one, this last one was handled, I think, fairly well compared to the the, the Royals one. But um, the, this city is just not ready for that yet. We got a lot of work to do, but I do think it'll happen eventually, probably within the next, like you said, six to eight years, probably, hopefully. But the retractable roof is a step that's got to happen because well, if it's snowing out here, you know, there's, I don't think they're going to want to avoid that because they can easily just go back to Florida and have a great sixty-five well, to eighty degree Super Bowl. So, yeah, that only makes sense. So. I think we're working. I think I think the um, um, I think the hunts really, really desperately want that, and they've desperately been wanting to really change the trajectory of the Chiefs franchise and be one of those top franchises as far as you know hosting a you know a draft. And he's wanting to kind of make it more of a name because we were never really that. We were always like a middling, you know, middle class franchise. And now we're champs. Now we're you know we're going to build upon that. So I think the, the Super Bowl was just a launching pad for the success of this franchise moving forward. For me, for me, I think that when when and if the Royals move out of uh, that Arrowhead area, yeah, I think I think the Chiefs will build a brand new stadium. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
That would be interesting. Yeah. That would be very That'd interesting. That would be so, and, so and, sad and, to me, though, dude. I, it, so it, many it, memories. It would be sad, but it would also be kind of cool at the same time because, like, you talk about Trevor being progressive. Rebranding. Yeah. Rebranding. It, that, that stadium has been there for almost well, 50 years now. Um, it's in great shape, though, still. It, it, they've done a lot of renovations like, to yeah. it. I, I would prefer that they keep Arrowhead as is and yeah. just add the retractable roof because it is possible. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to get rid of the old stadium, and it would save the Chiefs it has a such lot a haunting, more money. This is such a haunting feel when you go in there, man. It's, yeah. I love it. Well, and now, and now, like I said, this is the platform, you know, the, the house basically that Mahomes built. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you can say that if he builds a new stadium, yeah. but that's the stadium you build after you won your first Super yeah. Bowl. Now you've this won a Super Bowl. Him. You know, you won the AFC championship in your house. You know, like you, this is where, you know, the Chiefs made their history. I've always mm-hmm. said that, like, Mahomes didn't rewrite history. He's creating yeah. history. So he's made, he's created this history in Arrowhead as is. I would ra- I'd rather it be that way selfishly. But if I find out they build a new stadium and it has a retractable roof, I'm not going to fight that because, again, I just know that I'm going to be there yeah. as much as I possibly can. I'm going to enjoy the shit out of the game, so whether it's Arrowhead Volume 1 or Arrowhead Volume 2. So <laughs> For sure. All right, so that was it from London Mailbag. Thank you guys so much for the questions. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, get your friends to hop on there, man. We'd really, we'd really like to hear because I know I see the posts on your guys when you guys post stuff on, on our group chats. You guys got thoughts. You guys have opinions. Don't be afraid to, to post that to this man because we'd love to. We definitely love to interact with you guys on this uh, platform. But in the meantime, the 69th version of what is it called, guys? Hold this hell. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the who? The her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating oh L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. It is time to hold this L. Every single week, we like to hand out L's in the world of sports. A little more challenging at this time of the year, but nevertheless, we consistently find ways and find people, and find teams, and find sports, and find whatever the fuck is going on out there. We, we find ways to hand out some L's. So I'm going to start with my guy, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo himself, Eddie Ortiz, who is holding the L this week. Oh, man. See, I was going to give it to, to Arsenal as a whole, but I'm going to give it to the player. <laughs> That plays for Arsenal. Mm. Uh, he just had a horrible game against Manchester City. Let's just say this guy didn't even start the game. So he wasn't a starter. He was started on the bench. Uh, a defender got, got hurt, got injured. In the 24th minute, there was a substitution. He came in. Uh, 20 minutes later, 25 minutes later, he his mistake cost uh, a goal. It was a huge mistake, and he realized it too when they showed the slow motion. Like he opened his mouth and like kind of screamed and kind of like oh, chased after. Fuck. Yeah, he, he was like, oh, fuck. kind of chased after the player, but it was already right, too late. Slow motion, yeah, yeah. Oh. Keanu Reeves moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he had a he went yeah. too far. <laughs> yeah. he, he scored the goal, so 
Oh, shit. That's not the bad part. Uh, oh, sec- that's not the bad part. Okay. <laughs> second, half started, second half started. 49th minute. He fouls a player in the box, causing a penalty. Him being the last player is an automatic red. Oh, because it was a clear goal yeah. opportunity. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's a clear red. <sighs> so he played. Uh, let's let's give him twenty five. Yeah, let's give him twenty five minutes Jesus. of soccer, and he single, and he fucked and, that much up. And he uh. single handedly gave the opposing team a two no a two zero lead. Jesus, this he, was his, he might as well have thrown the other jersey on. This was like, his, this was his Charverius Ward Seattle game. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So he he gave the other team the is lead. Is this guy's and, name Orlando Scandrick? No, his name oh. is David Luiz. <laughs> oh, close Brazilian, of course. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he's gonna have to. Hold this L. I wonder if he's going to go on first take as well and uh, undisputed and start selling out all of his teammates too. I wonder if that's the <laughs> standard way. Hope so. Um, all right. Well, I guess it's my turn. Um, I'm actually going to – you guys have done it in the last couple of weeks. We've been doing hold this L, but lately you guys have been <gasps> handing out Ws. It's Trevor's turn. <gasps> this is my turn. Episode 69, I felt it was uh, my pleasure to hand out a Aww. W, you know, so – We've been talking a lot of shit on some people in this episode, so I figured I'd lighten it up a little bit. So I'm going to go Trevor with, lighting it up. Can you imagine yes, that? Yeah. Like He's no, always like the one that's like, hey, yeah. Eddie, I know that was hilarious. Let me tell you about somebody who just died. Yeah, I just, I just <laughs> want to remind you guys that I do have a soul. Okay, so uh, and this is for the kids. All right. So listen, on the 15th of June, um, high school or that this past week, high school baseball has, has begun. Um, the Iowa baseball high school team. Um, their first game of the season, the coach, every single player, uh, and the, the entire staff, I believe, there's a video on it too, they all took a knee during the national anthem. And the reason I point this out, and kudos to Iowa base, Iowa <laughs> high school baseball um, for doing that, I think it's more impactful in this instance, and the reason I'm giving it a W is because they're, they're letting these kids know young, you know, these are, these are high schoolers. These aren't grown men that already have, you know, kind of their mindset. These are young, multiple minds. And, and, you know, these coaches taking responsibility and, 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 you know, spreading that message and, and enlightening these kids that it's not about the flag itself. It's not about the military or it's not about disrespecting the country in itself. It's about, you know, acknowledging the injustices in this country and, you know, and, and letting know, and the majority of this team was a white team It's Iowa. You know, so um, but it's some called heaven. I like to call it Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, yeah, yes. And I just thought it was powerful, man. I thought it was powerful to see kids out there, you know, doing that. You know, we've seen we've seen you know play uh, soccer teams and football teams in other countries, you know, kneeling before you know during before the game starts and everything, and that's powerful too. But seeing kids, you know, being told about this and and, and enlightened about it, not just doing it out of muscle memory because everyone else is doing but the 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 players understanding it i think there's even a quote uh from the out uh, the high school outfielder his name is Jaden singleton uh he said we're just trying to show our appreciation and it's about social justice so these kids are well aware these next generations that's why i I believe in these next generations coming up below us because they're going to be you know a microcosm of all this that's moving this movement right now everything's changing so these kids are going to be I don't. I hate using the term woke because it's so abused, but they're going to be a lot more woke and understood to to the culture, to the the in understanding the mishaps that have gone in, you know, the abuse of power in this country. And I just thought it was powerful that these the coaches were okay with it. You know, they didn't frown upon these kids doing it. They joined in on it. You know, and they're starting. You know, 
helping these kids understand what, you know, the actual issues at hand and why they're kneeling, you know, and I, I love that this is becoming a widely accepted thing and that kids are actually taking a part of it now. And it's, you know, it's impressive and it's, and it's just positive. That's only a positive thing moving forward for these young athletes to understand why they're doing it. Uh, so with that, Iowa, Iowa high school baseball, you're going to have to do me a favor and hold this W. w. That's good. We've all three given – man, I'm proud of us. I felt it was time for mine. I'm proud of us. <laughs> yeah, that, was proud. A good, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, man, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I I, I think I have a problem, and I, I didn't know it until this week. Well, we've known you had a problem. That's true. That is true. I found a new problem. Uh, I believe I, that. IBS? <laughs> believe it or not, no. Like, <laughs> sometimes I wonder, but it's just usually the tacos I eat. But Clap. Look, man, <laughs> I'll talk about that after the show. <laughs> Uh, the clapper man look this was this was an odd one for me because you know in times like this when there's not much going on like you, you notice that there's trends and things that start to happen everybody starts doing or sharing or posting or whatever the case is you know you have like your planking genre and you have like all this other bullshit right tiktok yeah well yeah thank you well now for some reason somebody decided that it would make sense to start turning quarterbacks into women on, on, oh, on, on Twitter and all those other things where you see like all the quarterbacks and like all these like random – there's like a new app yeah. where you can like turn yourself into the opposite sex. I saw the whole Friends cast. Oh, yeah, like they Snapchat? did that and it's super creepy as fuck. Yeah, it's, but yeah. I, I saw like uh, uh, Derek Carr and they turned him into Kristen Stewart basically. Um, <laughs> it, you know, he's literally mouth breathing. As it, you know, it's like, oh, how was it in Twilight, Derek? <laughs> They didn't even, they didn't even need, your they thoughts. Didn't, yeah, they didn't even need to add eyeliner. Are you going like, to see Robert Pattinson in the new Batman movie, Kristen? I mean, Derek. You know, like, you see all these, like, Jameis Winston and Cam Newton, like, they looked horrific. Um, like, it, it, I mean, the list hey, goes everybody's on. Everybody's beautiful, okay? Yeah, well, speaking of that, um, our own Patrick Mahomes was sexy as hell, Fucking dude. Fine. Like, I saw the picture. I'm like, who the, is that Patrick Mahomes' sister? Oh, no, that's Patrick Mahomes yeah, I seen Clay, just as a woman. I seen Clay posted that I was dying. Dude, man. Patrick was hot. I'm not lying, dude. I was like, why am I so attracted to him that way? Like, I felt so fucking weird, man. It felt so wrong. I, I felt violated. Go look that up right now. If you're quivered. listening to it, yeah, quivered a little I, bit. my whole body quivered, man. I felt I felt something. I felt something. I mean, I have an affinity for the man. I love him. He's my favorite athlete in the world outside LeBron. But that was a different vibe, man, I got from that. I don't know why people do this to us. I'm just trying to live my life, man. Now your question Trevor, I'm just trying to live my life. <laughs> I'm just trying to I'm go straight, out. I swear. Yeah, and have a fun life. Thank you. Yeah, Eddie's yeah, yeah. pulling it up right now. It's crazy. If you bro. haven't seen it, as you're listening to this, join in the festivities. Look this shit up. <laughs> it's creepy. He's hot, and it's weird. I, I don't know what else to say other than that. So whoever decided, whoever decided oh, to make man. that make Patricia Mahomes, do me a favor. Trevor had a W, but tonight I'm giving out an L. Do me a favor and hold, hold this L. L I feel me. weird. We're all confused. I'm w. so confused with my yeah, it's man. A w. It's a W. It's, it's a, a W. Okay, maybe it is a W. But for me, it's an L because I'm I feel tortured, man. <laughs> like I'm supposed to love him for different reasons. Well, now Lance has got to find himself again. I got to really discover myself. <laughs> Going downstairs, listen to Hooba Stink. All right, it's I'll be over. Right back. <laughs> Finally oh, God, found the bro. reason. I'm telling you, man, it's it's that scared uh. me. In a really <laughs> Dude, good I way. That's yeah. It's been they've been doing that to all kinds of different people. I gotta too. see all the pictures. Go look at Derek Kristen Stewart Carr. It's amazing. It's <laughs> like dude, Kristen Carr. I, it made you think if there was gonna be like a Twilight Four. I'm still oh. Team Jacob. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, but. totes. 69th episode, boys and girls. Oh, yeah. We Bucks. did it, and it's so fitting that we did. We went back to the original style as it as it first started out, and uh, 
We cannot thank you guys enough uh, for hanging tough with us, man. I I love the messages and the responses we get every single week. And you guys are – I even get, like, uh, personal friends and family, like, text me during shows and they're listening and stuff and just, like, getting giving us their, their thoughts and opinions on things. And that means the absolute world to me, man, because that means that people actually give a shit about what we do here. So uh, the first these first 69 episodes have been an absolute blast. I don't want to overlook the fact, as I stated in the beginning of the show, that this also falls on Juneteenth. And this day needs to be so important to all Americans, not just black Americans. We need to look at this as a national holiday of freedom for people who should have never been enslaved. I cannot stress that enough. We have come a long way, but Jesus, do we have a long way to go. So I really hope you guys take this day seriously. I know we have a lot of fun on the show. We're going to continue to have fun on the show. That's what we're about. But there is a severity and a seriousness that has to be echoed, whether it's through our voice or through everybody's voice. Hopefully it's everybody's voice. I don't want to be the only one on here. I know, I know Trevor doesn't want to be the only one on here saying these things. I want you guys to say these things and feel these things this, the way that we feel that it is important. I'm not going to force that on you. As a listener, if you're on here, just listen to sports. Totally respect it. That is your rights. But just know and understand that there is change coming. Like Trevor said, that this next generation that's coming behind us, I truly believe is finally starting to get what we've been trying to say. And we hope to see that change. And by celebrating this day is one step in that clear and right direction. So again, thank you all for listening. And I appreciate all the support we get. And we appreciate all of you that stand with us as Eddie decides to laugh and continue to look at all the quarterbacks <laughs> turn into ladies. So in that, for Eddie Ortiz, for Trevor Twidwell, for Clay Windler, and for Gat herself, I am Lance Twidwell, signing off for episode 69 of the Spoken Podcast. We are out of this bitch! Later. Yeah. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See y'all. You are tuned into the spoke. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.